welcome to Swapping Joysticks. It is, oh, I don't know, the, I think it's the 1st of December. Oh, when this is going up. Yes, because this is now, because this is live. This is a, this is Friday. Is it? It is Friday, oh, the 1st of December. We've jumped into the future. We have. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is Swapping Joysticks. I'm your host, Biggest Benesh. Joining me, as always, is Ed Nightingale. Say hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. And uh, yeah, welcome. We're, we, we talk about gay shit, and we often talk about stuff. Like games we've been playing, things happening in the news, and whatever else comes up. Um, that gay shit. There's some gay shit sometimes. Games. Games, yes. That's but us. also, if anybody is tuning in because you've seen the title or you've seen a message about us talking about uh, the war of 2023 between creators and old school games journalists, uh, check the notes. Sorry, if you're on YouTube, it should be a little segment as well that's um, that's added there. So you'll be able to see if you want to kind of skip forward to that bit or... If you just want to listen to us talk about games and stuff we've been playing, then you're in the right spot. But first, we have some housekeeping. Do we? Well, it's not really housekeeping. It's more of like a life update because we are incredibly tanned, you might have noticed. It's from... the lighting. <laughs> it still makes you look more tanned than me, which is weird. I'll uh, take that. The lighting. I mean, these cameras are identical, but apparently they think that I'm incredibly pasty and washed out and you are slightly red. They are. They're making <laughs> up for the truth. It's the opposite, yeah. Which is that I am incredibly pasty. Yeah. Although you've been in the sun a lot, so you're actually quite red. Have you? Are you still patchy like a wow. cow? You know, like a cow has kind of black and white patches. Ed's like that, but with That's, red. Th yeah, when I get sunburned. <laughs> yeah. I am allergic to sun. I, I think, I generally think you are allergic to sun. No, I think I am as well. It's weird because I've never seen anybody's skin do that. <laughs> yeah. It was the pus wow. oozing out that was like... Okay, there was no pus. Thank you very much. <laughs> It was just some red burning, but it was patchy. Yeah. Was even weird. though I was, I think I was pretty even with the sun cream. Yeah. Um, we should say we've been away on holiday for a week. That's yeah. We went to Cabo um, Verde. Cabo Verde. Ob Obrigado and welcome to yes. Obrigado to all of Spank. our Portuguese listeners. Yes. Sumi Masen. Portuguese speaking listeners. Sumi Masen. That's Japanese. I know. But it was like, I, we were watching James May uh, going around Japan and he learned one phrase, which was just Sumi Masen. And which means um, I'm sorry. Yes. And our what was our phrase? Obrigado. Obrigado. <laughs> so we're very British. We just which, yes. is, which means thank you in Portuguese. Well, most of the time they spoke to us in English anyway. Yeah. Because we are clearly not from Cape Verde. Although everybody um, they kept asking if I was German or Dutch. Because you're tall. Yeah. I think maybe. I'm white and pasty and definitely British. It, I mean, I've got to say the people that were on holiday with us were quite old. I want to say Gamini. Yeah. They, they were like the question time audience. Uh, you know. The, yeah, I see that. The type of Average people Average age, probably 60. Yeah. And the type of people Most that, people have been bright orange, like they've been roasting on a spit for five days. That's right. Even and that, I don't want to think about any swinging that happened oh, that in was terms a, of spit roasting. It was a roasting. complete swingers uh, retreat, that was. <laughs> but no, they're the type of people we that, did not, that to shouts be clear, at the TV about immigrants and stuff. I think that is kind of... There's them, probably a lot of that, A lot yeah. of it, yeah. But they were, but it, actually, I mean, we say that everybody we encountered seemed to be nice. Um, although we didn't encounter many we didn't people. We didn't encounter anyone. We did see some gays, though, I didn't, didn't we? speak to anyone. We did see the, you got stared at a lot. Yeah, there was another gay couple. And it, when it's that sort of holiday and it's lots of straight Bringing. couples oh, okay, yeah. and families, and then you see like two men together, you're like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like across the room. It's like eyes of like, I see you. I see I you. I know who you are. Yeah. We... F slur. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> 
I know you. We should be friends. We should talk. No, we should we will not be, be friends. You not like that? No. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I'm I, like, if I, I see a gay not... couple, I want to talk and discuss cocks and things. And discuss cocks and things. What do we gay people Just talk about? Casual conversation Mu- on the beach. Sorry, musicals. Wow, look at the cock over there. Musicals and you say that in your in your in your head voice, inside what? voice. Look at the cock over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what you emerging do. from the sea. I know that's a weird way of getting out of the sea. <laughs> cock first, but <laughs> like Someone... a shark fin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really flat as well. Oh. Speaking of cocks, I mean sharks, we went um, paddling with sharks. We did. Some lemon sharks. Oh, they were very, very cute. They were cute. I know there's people uh, that watch us or people that listen to us who are, like, have a phobia of sharks. Now, I'm going to be, I'm going to make a big, bold claim and say you wouldn't be scared of these, but you probably would because it's a phobia. It's, uh, they, they are sharks. Yeah. But they were about this big and they were really, really cute. And This big. So that's probably like oh, about a, you... a foot and a half to two feet, I'd say. No, this is a good, this is like, you know, 20 inches. I am not going to dignify that with a response. Um, <laughs> that was um, that was a really cool experience, actually, just having them so close to you. And yeah, they were swimming all around our legs. Yeah, you could see very friendly so clearly them because like the it is just such a beautiful because we yeah, at Cape Verde. If anyone doesn't know, it's just it's like if you go down to the Canary Islands, then continue for like two hours further south. It's yeah. just off the off the coast of Dhaka, which is Mauritiana, Mauritiana, I think it is Mauritiana. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm afraid. I did have a quick what? look at... Mauritius is definitely the other side of... Uh, no, Mauritiana is a different country. Is it? Oh. Wow, Ed. So ignorant. Sorry. Well, no, when I so looked at the map, ignorant. I saw... Ed was like, Verde. we're going to Africa. I'm like, Ed, that's a continent. I did not say that <laughs> at all. Thank you very much. When I looked at the map, Cape Verde is in line with Senegal. Oh, okay. I think Mauritiana might be uh, okay. closer, but we'll... Then I'm fine. I'm sorry for mispronouncing it. But it's also a very bad uh, democracy. Oh, it's not a democracy at all. Oh. Whereas Cape Verde, very, very democratic. But yeah. no, we, um, yeah, we, like, it is just beautiful. It's kind of like crystal clear, green, turquoise sea that you can see right to the very bottom. You can stand in it, like the sea up to your shoulders, and you look down and you can clearly see your feet. Like, mm-hmm. you do that in Blackpool. I mean, your feet wouldn't exist. Your, your feet just dissolve. Do not get in the sea in Blackpool. No, it's not. I mean, it's in the name, Blackpool. Yeah. I gotta say that, like, I mean, this isn't really gaming still, but this is what we've been doing. But I, I think we were both quite shocked at the amount of kind of litter that was washing up, and it was all from other countries, like just disposing of their litter, and it kind of eventually, after months and months out at sea, probably just washing up on the beaches there, and like they've got to deal with that all the time. Yeah, so that's when we went on the the shock um, excursion. I was gonna say expedition. Yeah, uh, it was a shark's expedition. It was an expedition um, on those roads. <laughs> it was. Well, there's there's one road going through yeah. the island. Um, also, this is just one island of Cape Verde, which Foul. is made up of many islands, um, and it's literally a desert, and it's just full of tourists. Mm. Um, but yeah, on the on the shark trip, so we had a bus ride to the other side of the island, and got to sort of see lots of the coastline. But yeah, it's just covered in in plastic waste, mm. which has all come from all the way from America and Europe and Africa mainland. Um, yeah. And just swept up on the beach and they are stuck having to deal with that, which yeah. sucks. Really does. Yeah. Go and, you know, recycle people. Recycle. And people. Yeah. Yeah. And people. Recycle people. <laughs> Don't bury them. Burn them. Recycle them. But wait till and they're dead. Plastic. Yeah. Just honestly, don't litter. Anybody that litters should have their hands chopped off. And if they keep doing it, legs. And then put them in the ocean. Put them in the ocean. Wow. See if they swim. They won't swim. No. 
Anyway, before we wow. go down a this really dark... dark. <laughs> um, anyway, we've had a lovely holiday. Uh, we've sat yes. in the sun yes. and not really done very much. Oh, that was the which best, was, though. Which was nice. It's not something that... It's not a holiday that I would normally go on. I was really looking forward to it. And like when we booked it, I was really excited. And then like a day or two before, I was just thinking, am I going to actually hate this? Is it going to be just a week of me going, I'm really, really bored? And I think I if was I was concerned with, about that. If I was with my For parents... For me as well as you. I think if I was with my parents, I would have been a little bit like that. But... I think because it was just us and we could kind of do whatever we wanted. Plus, you're very similar to me. Like one afternoon, we were like, should we just stay in the hotel room and play video games on our Switch? Well, I mean, we were saying earlier that I'm allergic to the sun. My skin is allergic to the sun. I'm pretty sure my head is as well. Because yeah. that was the last day and we went to the beach in the morning and had a lovely time just sitting reading my Yeah, Kindle we were hoping and... for like a full day at the beach. I was hoping for a full day at the beach. It was like blazing sun. And was really lovely, and the waves are lapping, and the, a bit of a breeze, like it was really nice. And then we went inside and had lunch, and I just started to feel really ill, mm. and was like, I'm really tired and feeling a bit sick, and I think I've had too much sun. So we decided to sit in the hotel room for the afternoon, yeah. had a shower, just sat in the bed um, with the aircon going, yeah, and I played some switch. Uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then I watched a couple of episodes of Selling Sunset on my phone and you played some Switch and we just had a super chilled afternoon. And genuinely, that might have been my favourite afternoon of the whole but it day. Was, it was really... And all we do was just sit inside. I mean, I, yeah, the sun, I mean, when you're sunbathing, you're just literally lying there. Yeah. And I've got, so I've, I went through some great true crime podcasts. Love them. Which apparently, uh, I saw a thread on Twitter, which makes me some kind of right-wing sleeper agent. I don't know. Of course you um, of course you are. I don't, I don't know. I just enjoy listening to how horrific other people's lives are. So it makes me feel better. And and I was reading a fantasy book. But things I was listening to that. Then I was also listening to the Hunger Games book, which I... Full of death. Yeah, it's very grim. And it's a young adult's book. And people love this book. I, I'm having highs and lows of it. Like at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. See where it goes. And then there were certain moments, like quite prolonged periods in the book where it was like okay yes we get it they're kind of just going a bit over the top with explaining why this means this mm -hmm. and i mean it is a young adult's book that's what it does but now i've got to a hornet's nest bit and like i generally the hornet's nest hornet. i'm so i'm trying to remember this because i read it a nest. good few years ago and i read all three books i in think a, in like five days or something in a tree so have, have the Hunger Games started yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You're that far. Yeah. I'm about halfway through, I think. Okay, right. Yeah. Trying to remember. Yeah. And I it... also mix it up with the films because the film's obviously slightly condensed mm. and that I kind of remember more. That was... Uh, but, you know, I've, I'm looking forward to reading the book, uh, to watching the film afterwards. But I'm... Yeah, I'm enjoying reading it now. I just... Yeah, yeah. I just don't... I'm not sure if young adult fiction is my thing. I mean, Which you is... are not a young adult. No. So... I am an adult, though, so I'm half that. But you're not young. You can say that. Older than me. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm looking for something. But I think it's made me kind of reevaluate what kind of things I look for in a book. And I think I might go and read some classics. But it's weird because we were talking earlier, like, you know, the Harry Potter books, mm. the Harry Potter books. Are they young adults? I feel like later ones might have been. Because is it a kid's book? I or think is they it started a... as kid's books. Yeah. And then, I mean, I was... 11 when the first one came out yeah which is the i was same like age six, as I think, harry yeah. and so every you're not six so every year when it came out i was the same age as him oh. so and i think a lot of people have 
In my you're as old as Harry Potter, and you've got the glasses as well. Wow, thanks. Um, I think a lot of people grew up, therefore, with those books. So it started off as a kid series, and then I think became darker and became more young adult. Um, the writing still sucks throughout. Oh, it does, but it's weird because like the first books, uh, like I listened to them as the audiobook. Because it's Stephen Fry reading them does it very well. Um, a while ago, quite a while ago, before all this stuff came out, and yeah, the first few books I actually really enjoyed and it was even as an adult it was quite interesting because it was quite fast paced mm. and also it wasn't kind of based on anything whereas Hunger Games it's oh it's a battle royale I get it it's a battle royale I mean it's from the you know it's kind of pretty much a copy even though she said it isn't she said um, yeah there's a, a battle Japanese, royale, Japanese film yeah which is where the word the name comes from but whereas this is just completely new and it's just like a real I don't know the setting of it supersedes is makes it is a lot more important than necessarily the writing and the actual storylines itself i think the fact that people going to school and going maybe even going away is uh is such is something that everybody has to do but imagine if it's somewhere completely you know fantasy that is a much better idea than hey you've been thrown into this giant pit and you've got to kill other people yeah i mean that's you know not ideal but things like the later books in harry potter i didn't like at all so no, me neither I like the formula. That, when it got to be a bit younger, yeah, if they'd kept it as kind of a little bit childlike or a little bit more, I don't know, airy-fairy, I'd have liked I think, it. Yeah, I think like Harry Potter was formulaic and then as it went on, that formula changed and then I didn't like it as much. Yeah, same. I will say I think Hunger Games has a similar trajectory okay. throughout those three books. Maybe I'll enjoy it more, the later ones, because people said that actually the, the, late, the later books uh, they prefer. Who said that? People in the Discord. Oh, I strongly disagree. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm look, I will read I'll read until the end, then I will I'll read see if the ending of the first book makes me want to read the others, and if not, I'll just watch the films. And I will watch them with you, and I will happily watch the films, and I think the films might be better than the books because it's just easy to Do you say the film was watch. better than the book? Well, kind of. Like the book obviously has a lot more detail and and the film is obviously more concise. But two words for the film. Go on. Liam Hemsworth. Oh, who's he? Gale. Oh, I've only I've only seen <laughs> I've only seen Gale for the first it, Gale's only been in it for a little bit, so I imagine he'll come in later, but at the moment. Oh, he'll come in later. Did he come in uh, the guy? I bloody hope so. Well, you've, you've read it, you know. <laughs> well, don't tell me. But anyway, yeah, sorry, we've gone you. from games to books to holidays. What have you been reading? You're welcome. Oh, you've been reading something actually, haven't you? A reader's corner. I actually can't remember what I've been reading. <laughs> I'm like 60 pounds through it. Book, yeah. It's a fantasy book. I think it's called, it's the first in a trilogy. And I think it's called The Name of the Wind. Or something along mm. those lines. It's a fantasy book. It's it's so far about a young boy in a school for arcanists. Oh. Um, and um, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Good. Well, uh, yeah. It's got a nice musical theme. He's like a bard. I thought you were about to say it's got really good music. I'm it's like, got it's great a book. music for a book. <laughs> um, no, he's a bard. Of course um, he is. From like a troupe of actors and singers. Um, and he has intelligence that allows him to do superior magic. And so he ends up going off to this university to learn to be an arcanist. Interesting. Um, and from there, it's going to continue because it's a series. Um, I've heard very good things about this in that it's it's an ongoing series, but they're still waiting on the last book. Mm. And the most recent book in the series came out the same time as the most recent Game of Thrones. 
So we've been waiting, mm. as we've been waiting on the last Game of Thrones book, fans have been waiting on the last book okay. of the series. And I can't remember, cannot remember for the life of me what it's called. But I also have a Kindle, so I don't look at the front of the book. I just read the story. Yeah. So I can't actually remember what it is. Um, it's quite good, though. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's like I'm reading the second book of The Assassin's Apprentice or the Farseer trilogy. No idea what it's called. Assassin? No, it might not even be called that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't read the title. The Assassin's... Novice. New Apprentice? Novice. Like... Novice. Anyway, okay. um, anyway, let's talk about video games, because we are a video games we podcast are. at heart, really. So we'll let's, I mean, I've been playing a game, but I think we're going to be focusing on the game that you've been playing because you not only started a game, but you actually finished one, which is unlike yeah. many people. Well, I, I like to have a game to play on holiday. Um, if I, gen, I like to have a new thing on holiday in general, like either a game or like a music album to listen to oh, or a book. Yeah. <laughs> not a man. Um, <laughs> and so I bought myself a new game to play for the week and I finished it because it was only 10 hours long. And that was Super Mario RPG. Interesting. And that is just come out on the Switch. Remaster of the original. It is of the original. Was that now, ever released in the EU in EU? No. So this is a game that I have been wanting to play for I guess 25-ish years. I think it came out in 96. Okay, yeah. So. Um I don't think I knew about it straight away necessarily, but the original came out in 96, something like that. On the SNES, right at the end of its life, um, I think the N64 might have already come out by this point. And it is a collaboration between, was, between Nintendo and Squaresoft, as they were known at the time. And it's essentially Mario meets Final Fantasy. Mm. So all of the sort of Paper Mario games and Mario and Luigi games, all those Mario RPGs, this was the game that started it. And it was released in Japan, it was released in America, but it was never released in Europe. So I never got to play it. Now, I did play the beginning of it on a naughty emulator. Oh, um, a naughty emulator. Well, all emulators are a bit naughty. Um, I played maybe like the first hour okay. when I was, I, I guess, maybe like 13, 14 at this point. Um, so I sort of knew what to expect. Um, it was also released on the Wii on the virtual console, which I downloaded, but mm. then never got around to actually starting. So basically, I've never played this game properly. And it's now out on Switch as a remaster with really nice new visuals, but the same perspective, uh, the same story, same gameplay. Um, I think there's a there's an extra triple move thing in the battle system that's new. Oh, yeah, I think you've shown me that. Um, but it is, it's an RPG with Mario. Um, and it was the, the start of the sort of action combat in turn-based combat. So I guess Nintendo and Squaresoft wanted it not to just be turn-based battles, but to be a little bit more active. So you have to press a button at the right time to time your attacks properly. Um, oh, a little or bit to like, dodge. Um, or to, to um, block. A bit like Sea of Stars. Exactly. Sea of Stars stole it from Mario RPG. Um, and also stole some Chrono Trigger stuff. So this is the game, I think, anyway, that sort of started this action vibe in the turn-based combat. But it is turn-based combat, but with Mario characters. Um, what I, I think what I love about it most, cause I really, really enjoy playing it. I think what I enjoyed about it most is how authentically Mario it is, okay. which seems silly cause it's a Mario game, but it was made by Squaresoft who obviously were known for making Final Fantasy. And it just has this really strong nineties vibe to it. The characters are these like squidgy cartoon characters and it's, you know, Mario and Princess Peach and Toad and Bowser and all the classic 
characters that you know from like Super Mario World and Maryland 3 and you know the the Mario cartoon that you'd watch in the 90s as a kid mm. and all that it feels really authentic to that with the same sorts of sound effects and like amazing music um there's just a real 90s vibe about it which I realize is stating the obvious because it's a game from the 90s but I it it sort of it gave me this sense of nostalgia for a game I never played so I was playing it feeling really nostalgic, like I'm reliving my youth somehow, but I never actually played this game. Do you think it's so because it was just bringing that back? It's very, uh, it's the battle system and like the fact that it's a remaster rather than a remake, does it feel like an old RPG from the 90s? So is that maybe hitting your nostalgia? May, yeah, probably, probably. Um, it's, it's by no means perfect. I think there's actually quite a lot that's wrong with it, if I'm honest. Tell me the biggest. Um, it's, it's very easy. Um, I heard you getting a bit frustrated. You died a few times. I did not die once, thank you very much. Oh. Um, You're not. Well, I didn't get a game over. Um, characters die. Um, it is overall very easy and it's very short. I finished it in 10 hours, mm. um, which was not like speeding through it. Um, in that sense, it plays a bit like Baby's First RPG. Which I Are you think, saying that Mario RPG is baby's first RPG? Yes, I am. But I think it was poised as that because mm. at the time, obviously Squaresoft were known for making RPGs um, and Mario games were not RPGs. And I think they wanted to make an RPG that would appeal to fans of Mario that maybe haven't played an RPG before. So therefore, everything's a little bit simplified. And as someone who has played plenty of rpgs you kind of jump in and you're like well this is really basic and really simple and it's still really fun and it's really enjoyable but it's simple and sometimes that's a nice thing you know it was a really breezy game to play through and i really enjoyed that aspect of it and i think therefore had i played this as a kid i would have absolutely adored it which is what i think a lot of people in america maybe we've got you know listeners followers in america who have played this as kids mm. um they would have loved it i would have loved it at the time um Playing it now as an adult, you're like, okay, well, this is really simple, but therefore it's hitting the nostalgia buttons. Um, I don't think the combat is necessarily super well balanced um, because it is pretty easy, but it's also not very complicated. So you get lots of extra like magic moves that I barely touched because you can just attack everything and kill it in two hits and you're like, oh, okay. Um, so it wasn't particularly, you don't have to think at all. And I actually started avoiding battles um because i didn't want to be over leveled because then it was just too easy um because you can see the enemies on the on, okay. the on the field so it's not random battles so you can just jump over them and just run off so i started doing that a lot um and you say the weapons have a different feel for each one yeah so you you get different weapons as you go um for each character so mario has um has a hammer he's got a punch um he's got like a cooper shell that he throws um and each one just, every time you go to a new town, it's very simple. You go to a new town, you go to the shop, you buy all the weapons that are immediately mm. the better ones, okay. no matter what. So you just keep buying the new ones in a new town. Um, but every weapon has a slightly different timing for the button press to do extra extra damage. Mm. Um, so sometimes you buy a new weapon and then you're like, oh, hang on, it takes you a moment to get the hang of the timing. But it's never difficult. There's the odd enemy that will just like kill you in one hit out of nowhere which is annoying but then you get so many revive items that you're like, oh, i'll just revive carry on so it's not a problem 
it's overall very, very easy. It's not very complicated. And I think in terms of pacing, in terms of the story, essentially you have to collect seven stars. Um, and you get the first four within like two hours. Mm. Like it whips through them and you're like, oh, okay, I'm scared I'm going to get through this really, really quickly. And then the last couple of stars have loads of padding between them to try and stretch out the story a little mm. bit more. And I feel like there could have been a little bit more build up to each one. So for instance, the, I guess, next game in the series, or at least the sort of successor, was Paper Mario. And that similarly has you collecting stars in each land that you go to. But there's a little bit more build up in each one. So mm. it feels like each bit, the, each land you go to is its own sort of event to get the star. And with this, it's like you go to a town, do a dungeon, bam, got a star. Okay, on to the next one. Like it's really, really quick. Okay. So it feels very pacey, but then at the end, it suddenly pads it out just to sort of give you something extra. And I sort of wished it was a, a bit more even throughout. Um, just a bit longer. Basically, basically, it's a good game. I just wanted more of it. Is there um, like, do you have many side things, or is it just kind of the not really? Story? There's 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 a few little sort of extra sidey bits. There's some mini games you can replay, but there's not too much of a reason to do that. So once mm. you finished it, you finished it, and it's ten hours. That's so. one of the things about RPGs, especially ones from you know, back in the day. Mm. You want lots of side missions and side quests. So we're not going to be including this in our game of the year discussion, are we? No, because it's a remaster. But remakes are allowed. So things like uh, Resident Evil 4, Four, that's going to be allowed. But something that's maybe just a lick of paint or kind of an updated graphics engine. Yeah. Like Mario RPG yeah. won't be. No. But so if, if you did, And that, that's just us trying to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, because there are games like, for example, Metroid that you said that you really like. Metroid Prime Remastered is, I mean... It's one of my favorites from the year, but it's a remaster. Mm. And the reason I like it is because of nostalgia, because mm. that was a weekend of me having an amazing time reliving my time as a 14 year old playing yeah. that for the first time. Um, and I think other people will have that experience with Super Mario RPG, which I fully get. Yeah, I had a had a sense of that from playing it. Um, but yeah, it, it is a new game for me. Um, so I, I really, really enjoyed it. I still think... Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is better, which is the GameCube Paper Mario are game. Are they making that one? They are doing a remaster of that next year. So for me, that is a better okay, game. Okay, that'll be the next summer one that you take? Probably, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I never finished that. I got really, really close to the end and never finished it and and then had to start a new uh, a new game. Um, so at some point, I will finish that. But that, that, I think, is better than Mario RPG. But it's interesting having played Paper Mario to then go back and see sort of where it began and you can see like, all the sort of germs of ideas. Yeah. And, um, this also has new characters in it and the new characters feel authentic to Mario. Um, Birdo. Birdo is in it. She's not playable. Was Birdo... Um, what was Birdo's... When was Birdo's first appearance? I think it was Mario 2. Okay, so quite early on. Because it's the one where you can play as Toad, Peach... Mario or Luigi, mm. and you have to pick up the fruit from the ground. Okay. Because to defeat Birdo, she yeah. uh, spits eggs, and you have to stand on the eggs and pick them up and throw them back. Yeah, in so Japanese, think... she's called Catherine. Mm. And which is localized. So she was an enemy in... Her first appearance was an enemy in Yume Kojo, Doki Doki Panic, which is localized for English language audiences as Super Mario Brothers 2. You're welcome. 
Wait, Super Mario Brothers 2 used to be called Yumi Kojo Doki Doki Panic. So is it, it's... it was a completely different game that wasn't set in Mario, but it had the gameplay of picking up vegetables from the ground and throwing it. Is that and why so Mario they basically two... reskinned it as Mario, but that's why yeah. no one likes it. And that's why when that was re-released on the Game Boy Advance, it was Mario, Super Mario World Advance or something they called it. Is it? Yeah, because I think in Super Mario Maker, there are different versions that you can play. You can have like... So it's really... Have you ever played it? No. Oh, it's brilliant. So one of the... You can create a level in like the Super Mario 1 style. And then you press a button and it changes it to like 3D world. Uh, not 3D world, but like 2D world or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just becomes like really modern graphics. But I remember... Or maybe Super Mario Brothers U. I don't, I don't know. It's the, the more modern one. It's incredible. But I remember people saying... And I don't know if they updated it in 2 because I didn't play that that much. But apparently everyone's like, yeah, they can't do it because 2 is just a different game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you, you you don't jump on enemies. If you jump on them, you just stand on them, and then mm. you can pick them up and throw them. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about picking up and throwing stuff. Weird game. Um, but yeah, so, so Mario RPG, what would you recommend? Like, what kind of people would this be for? I think this is for people who, like me, who never played it when they were younger because mm. they live in Europe and haven't had a chance to. It's for people who really like Paper Mario and or Mario and Luigi, Superstar Saga, great game. Uh, people who have played those and want to see where this began. It's for people who maybe don't play a lot of RPGs but are interested. And maybe maybe you like Mario Wonder or Wonder. Mario Kart or whatever other Mario games. But you haven't, really, you haven't played a, uh, an RPG, you would probably play this and enjoy it. Well, it gets people in. Hopefully some young people can play it. Is it... Is it so younger people who might, you know, use this as baby's first RPG, is it, would it be appealing to them or is it still, does it still have some of the, like, the problems from back in the 90s? Well, there's no grinding, it seems. Oh, there's no grinding. But does it feel like an old game, you say? No, no, no. It's it's perfectly playable. Okay. Um, it, it's... Because sometimes it, you play I, games that just, you like, oh, even like The Last of Us Remastered on PS4, I remember playing that and being like, yeah, this feels like a PS3 game that's just had a lick of paint on it. Yeah, no, this, this, feel, well, it feels like a SNES game. Okay. Um, because it feels very 90s, but it's very playable. It's really smooth. The graphics are great. They've updated the music as well mm -hmm. to like a reorchestrated version, and you can switch between that and the original just whenever you want. Um, so it has some modernness to it. Um, but it's, it's a simple older game. Okay. Um, but it's, it's great. Genuinely, it's just charming. It's cheerful. It's bright. It's breezy. Mm. It's really, really good fun. So I'm I'm glad that after over two decades, I have finally been able to play this game. Finally. It's been a very long time coming. And speaking of Mario, you've also been playing Mario Wonder, haven't you? Wonder. Wonder. Uh, yeah, just a little bit on stream. What do you think um, of it so far? I'm enjoying it so Early far. impressions? Yeah, early impressions. I'm, I've done like the first, I'm in the second world. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, again, it seems quite sort of breezy. You just sort of go through it. Um, the Wonder Seeds are fun. Wonder. Um, yeah. wonder they are fun uh, to see like you know what wild the things trip. the acid yeah. trip to see what wild things Nintendo will come up with next I love how they do yeah I love that the the acid trips that they do it just feels like one thing I love about games is when they introduce kind of a new mechanic and like, for example Titanfall 2 every single level just felt like a completely new mechanic and a different you completed the level in a completely different way whether it was traversal or whether it was you know, having an accurate shoot, uh, shooting something accurately, or whether it's using a puzzle going between two different time periods, 
Whereas this, when you go and have the wonder seed, every time you have it, it feels like something completely different. You've no idea what you what you're going to expect. I think you, I saw you play it, which is a level that I hadn't got to yet. But you went to the wonder seed, and then it became like a top down game. And I was yeah, like, yeah, what? the camera change that was yeah. that was wild. So just those like, kind of things make it so fresh. I think like the Mario platformers, I think are known for every level having like an idea that they then sort of riff on throughout the level. And sometimes that's then thrown away completely yeah. for the next one. So every level feels individual. And I think with the wonder seed, a lot of the time, whatever that thing is in the level, you're like, okay, well, the seed is basically going to exaggerate yeah. that. So um, maybe there's like a rampaging bull. And then, I love those ones. And then the seed one, you're like, okay, well, it's a stampede. So it's just an exaggerated mm. version of that. But sometimes it then does something that you're really not expecting, like that perspective change. Yeah. Or my favorite level so far is in the first world. And obviously, I love a music game. There's the music level with the singing piranha plants, yeah, which was my favorite. <laughs> it was so fun, which I was not expecting. I and then they all start vod. like singing along, and I was like, "This is incredible!" Yeah. So I really hope there's more music levels because they are my favorite. It's I like, like in Rayman. The Rayman yeah. music levels are absolute chef kiss. I love the the rampaging bulls one. Did you do the? It was like three stars, but it was it was a kind of a side one rather than a main one. Did you do the side ones? I've done the side ones. Yeah. Yeah, like I. It, to get both of the one to both of the, I think it's both of the wonder seeds or both of the what are you collecting in them? Wonder seeds. Oh, okay. I don't know if it was the wonder seed that made you all trippy, but if you complete the trip, you get the wonder seed at the end, yeah. don't you? That's right. Yeah. No, there was the raging bulls one, which the raging bulls happen in I think a couple of other levels, but then there's just one where it's pretty much your go from start to finish on a rampaging bull, and that was yeah, that was tricky. I lost quite a few lives, and it was oh, like three one. star. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I missed the coins on it, which oh god, me. no, no, there's no way I'm getting all those coins. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, if I got all the wonder seeds on each level, then I, I'm allowing myself to move on. But I just yeah. know it's going to get quite difficult, and I'm going to get frustrated and turn it off. Yeah, I need to go back because I've missed some of the seeds. Oh, okay. So I need to go back to some <clears throat> of the levels. Yeah, no, I was um, doing which off I might stream. Just do off stream. Yeah, yeah, no, I was doing that off stream as well because I'm like, I, people don't want to see me just repeat the same mistakes again, and again. And yeah, again. yeah. But no, I yeah, I really, really enjoyed. It. I'm looking forward to going back into it, and yes, definitely. probably will be up on our well it'll be a contender i think for our top 10 yeah i think so mm. i think so that'll be coming up at the end of oh, god in yeah. like three weeks we're gonna not, yeah it. not far not far mm. we don't have long to finish off some games anyway you were talking about mario rpg about you know nostalgic rpgs from the 90s exactly and my... what have you been playing ben so over well, while we were on holiday and you were playing super mario rpg i was like okay i'm gonna start a new game and I started Final Fantasy VII, the original. Yes. On my Switch OLED, which, God, it looks great. And, yeah, it's... Those little Lego blocky characters. The, yeah, oh, yeah. They're so cute. It is brilliant. I mean, I've played Remake and Intergraden. Integrate. Integrate, yeah. Not Intermission. What's Intermission? Um, I think, hang on. Intermission is the name of the DLC, but... The package was Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. Just confusing. I anyway, anyway, I played yes. both of those to completion. I loved, I loved, loved it. I've also played quite a bit of Seven a while ago, a few years ago, <clears throat> which I actually haven't got up to yet. I haven't got up to the bit where I got up to before. I'm very, very, very close. I think mm. I'm about an hour away from that. But I mean, I've still put in a good 10 hours, 12 hours or whatever. And yeah, no, I'm uh, really enjoying it. I'm playing on the Switch and... 
I mean, there are so many different places that you can play this nowadays. You can play. I could have played it on my Steam Deck. Could have played it on PlayStation. I think. Yeah, you mm -hmm. can play it on uh, there with trophies, which I'm not interested in. Um, but I just wanted, like, you know, something light. It's a gorgeous screen. Thought I'd play. Thought I'd play in it. And yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's a stunning story. Like the story is just it grips me from you know minute to minute. It's just really, really interesting. But what I'm finding really, really useful are the cheats. Wow. So I was about to say, <clears throat> I'm so proud of you that you finally playing this because this is up there with like Ocarina of Time for me as like yeah. one of my absolute favorites. And I'm so From glad that nostalgia. you are finally getting through this game. And now you're telling me that you're cheating your way through it. I am it. not cheating my way through it. And I guarantee if you had never played that as a kid and you played it now, you would not play in its original format because there's so I much grind. absolutely would. No, you're only saying that because you played it before and you've got that nostalgic and you're like, it was the world's greatest game ever. But like you, if you had you that really now and you didn't really grind. care. Yes. I didn't grind when I played it as a kid. But I don't, I don't care. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going through there. And the so there are two, well, there are actually a bunch of different things you can do. I think one of them is... You can turn off random encounters. Mm -hmm. You can speed it up three times the speed. Everything goes at three times the speed, except for like the, the proper cutscenes. And the other one is that you your health is maxed out and you have max limit break, which is like the super move that they have. And what I'm just doing is when I go into these battles, I am putting it in three times, unless it's against a big boss, because it's a bit more interesting. Um, I put them into three times and I'm putting the, uh, yeah, the, the limit break, um, the the overpowered cheat on. Shocking. But I'm not going, I'm not doing three times when I'm walking around and I, I'm very, very rarely turning off encounters. I'm only turning off encounters if I need to go somewhere quite far away just to quickly see if I've missed something. And then most of the time I haven't and I'm, I'm just going the wrong way. And rather, rather than like encounter six, I have six different random battles out on the battlefield, just going there to check. I can just turn that off and it's much more, uh, it's much sure more pleasant. Jam. But no, one thing I can think, though, is playing this now, if I had got a PlayStation a year earlier, because I got it in 97, and I think this came out early, oh, was it late 96? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I it came out about a year before, and I think when I discovered that, hey, fantasy games sound amazing, Final Fantasy especially, 8 was out, so I got that one instead. But if I'd played this, if, for example, if I'd got my PlayStation the year before and I got a Final and I was only given Final Fantasy 7 or something, I would have absolutely loved it and I would have enjoyed grinding and I would have enjoyed going through it and it would have felt like a, a proper epic quest and it's, you know, this boss is really tough so I'm just going to go and spend 20 minutes kind of going and grinding and trying to beat some of the enemies and go and find a save point, go to an inn and heal up and then go and I can go and fight it again rather than now I'm just kind of trying to whip through it for the story. Mm. Whereas, but I think that was, that would have made it more fun as a kid but right now I just don't have the patience all the time. So, I'd like I still to enjoy know... it. Good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. still enjoying the story. I'd like to know how far through you are, but I know that you've already got to the gold saucer, and I know you were very excited because you've obviously, you know, experienced the gold saucer in 14. Yeah. And now you know where, you know, what it's based was on. Was that the first time it was ever in? The gold saucer is in 7. Only in 7. It's only in 7. Interesting, 14. But I'm, yeah, so I have left gold saucer, mm. and I am now trying to get out of the place where I've been sent. That's where I am. But I did waste so some... the prison. Prison, yeah. Okay. I've been, yeah, and I think what the... happened in the gold saucer was there a story moment? Yeah. With. Uh. 
I've I've gained a character, if that's what you mean. I'm trying really hard not to say anything, just in case, because I'm trying to remember the order of how you do things. There was... Because you had said to me, or you had asked me, mm. why are there dialogue choices for certain characters? Yeah. And there's a bit in Gold Saucer that is the reason why you have dialogue choices. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. <sighs> I was in three. I don't Did care. you go on any rides? Uh, yeah, I went on one where I was shooting things. But I didn't have enough tickets to go on the other one. Okay. Oh. That I'm not going to say. Because yeah. I don't want to say. That's fine. It doesn't matter. These little things I don't care about. I, I want to go through so that I know the story. And I mean, I know who dies and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to just playing it and just seeing the story and knowing the story. So that then when there's talk and then when I'm playing uh, Rebirth, I can compare it to what I've just played in the original. Okay. Who is your favorite girlfriend so far? Uh, Tifa. Good. Yeah. Correct answer. Mm -hmm. None of this Aerith bullshit. No. Although I just, I'm not so, so I'm, my characters, it's me, Red 13, and actually I just quite recently replaced Tifa with Kate Sith because they had a really, they have a really powerful uh, limit break. They just roll the dice and it's like 600 I damage instead of 300. never use that annoying fat cat. Wow. Also, it's pronounced Ketchy. Is it? Mm. Oh. Which I only realised recently. Yeah, Ketchy. But that, that's, that's been a thing since 1997. Because it's Irish. Because it's an Irish name and it's based on Irish folklore. Yeah. But I, as you and plenty of other people, always says Kate Sith. And Ketchy. people will still stand by that. Because even I the think Japanese translation Ketchy. was Kate Sith, wasn't it? Didn't somebody who created the game was like, it's Kate Sith. Um, maybe I can't remember. It'd be interesting. Oh, hang on, I don't think it is Irish. I think it might be Scottish. Wow, I Gaelic. might got that wrong. I is think it it's Gaelic. Is either. It way. would be very interesting because in Rebirth, yeah, the character is say. voiced by a Scottish actor. But I, I'm really interested to see what they say their name is in Rebirth. Kate Sith. Is that what they say? They have come out and said the name is Kate Sith. Okay, and then everyone turned around and said. What a lot of Gaelic speakers were like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's catchy. Um, so that's the whole thing. I'm sure it'll annoy people and there'll be many articles on Kotaku oh. and Polygon. Oh, there already have been. Oh, You're a gamer written by me. You're welcome. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you've chosen Tifa. I'm very happy for you. Yep. And I'm... Tifa needs to be in your team permanently. Uh, she's not the strongest, though. She fucking well is. Uh, all the hit and miss things. You need to... Be better at timing I'm them. Just bashing them. No, not three times the speed. It's a lot more difficult. <laughs> I'm not timing them. Well, it says you're right for cheating. Uh, no, but I'm just I'm just playing for the story, and I'm not. I don't need the grind to make it feel like that it's long. And that's what a lot of games in the '90s they added a grind, especially RPGs '90s and obviously '80s as well. They added a grind to kind of make the game longer, which I know Final Fantasy VII doesn't need, but the the grind is. A there to kind of make it feel a bit like more of an adventure because you have to you have to kind of go and obviously have lots of battles before your next big story moment, but you also have to kind of come together and start planning things and then building up your uh building up your characters so that they can progress. And that kind of stuff I just don't really have time for. And if if I was playing this without any cheats, with no speeding up or whatever like that, I definitely would not be out of Midgar yet. 
I fully appreciate your argument. But... <clears throat> and when I played Final Fantasy 1 um, from the Pixel remaster, I also played it with all the cheats on. Yeah. So for, for the early games, yes. I would say that 7, genuinely, I don't think you need to grind. Like, I, I think it's actually pretty well balanced because 7 is when the game... Well, arguably 6... But seven, I think, is when the series really leaned more into story than anything else. So it's about the story and the narrative flow and the rhythm and the pacing. And grinding throws that off. So I genuinely, and I'm not just saying this because I love it. Genuinely, I don't think you need to grind that much in seven. Like you would be fine throughout. Well, I'm <clears throat> still going to cheat. Fine. Because I want these battles to be over quite quickly. Fine. The battles are good, but you just hit is the same music, and it's just they take what a long time. What summons do you have? I have uh, Shiva, Queen. She doesn't click. It's disappointing. No, just she 10? just like races through. Yeah, it's only ten when she does the click. Ah. That's, I mean, that's some Queen shit. Shiva, and I think I've just <clears throat> got Ifrit. Ifrit. Yeah. Um, I think I've just got. And I, oh, I also have the Chocobos as well. Yes. So just those three at the moment. Okay. Um. But no, I will. That's going to be my kind of lying in bed for thirty minutes game. And you won't play for thirty minutes. You'll play for far longer, and that's because the cutscenes are incredibly long, and you can't yeah. save between. There's sometimes that I'll go and save him. I'll come up to a save point, and then it'll remind me. I'm like, oh yeah, it's been an hour since I last reached a save point, so that was lucky. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a cool game. I'm looking. How good is the music? I mean, the music is very good. Oh. Honestly, the, the fanfare is my favourite fanfare. The like when you win. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, it's my favourite music. I, I mean, my favourite is just the general theme. Yeah. That's just the Final Fantasy theme, isn't it? Uh, or is, yeah. I think it's yes. just called theme. But it is a great game and I'm looking forward to getting past the bit that I already had Things like I've played Midgar a bunch of times, not just in remake, but I've played it in on this because I've actually I started platinum hunting it on the PlayStation Four a while ago, and so I went and did all the various things to get his dress. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get picked, unfortunately. Aerith got picked. So the thing was, mm -hmm. I was following a guide, and the guide said to go into the bathhouse or go into um, what's it called, the bar in the in Midgar, the club. Yeah. So I had to go into the club and they said, oh... With the Freddie Mercury lookalikes. Well, I didn't go into that room because oh. it said, in the top left room, if you go in, you can get this. And in the bottom left room, if you go in there, you can get that. So I was like, okay, I'll save that second, that one for, for best. So I went in the top left one. And then I couldn't see what they were saying. And I think I might have answered the guy wrong when you asked me a question and I didn't get anything from that. And then I couldn't go into the bottom left one because you can only go into you can only go into one room, mm. and so I was a bit pissed off because then that was the only thing because I'd done all the other stuff, but if you didn't get that, then I think that there's it's an odds thing. It's not necessarily you're guaranteed, but I think you would be pretty much guaranteed if if I'd got uh, the item from there. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So well, now you've done that bit in the original. I mean, you said you've done it a few times, but yeah. you can see how kind of 
homophobic it is and how stereotypes it oh, is. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Of course you did. It was absolutely yeah, fantastic. It was absolutely. But then you can see fantastic. how they've like updated that in remake and given you Andrea, the honeybee in, mm. all the dancing and the sort of like just queer joy. Like it's so well, much better. I wonder if there's gonna be anything like that in the uh in Rebirth. Have we seen anything with Andrea? Uh, Andrea is back in Rebirth, yeah. Good. I we thought know. I saw something yep. about that. I I have an inkling that he will appear doing some sort of show in the Gold Saucer. Lit oh my God, a drag show. I I don't know uh, if it's a drag show. Midgar's Drag Race. But <laughs> <laughs> I would totally watch that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I because I think Gold Saucer is an area that they've really, really padded out and It's improved. Las Vegas, isn't it? I mean, it is literally Las Vegas. So I think there's going to be like a showgirls moment and they'll bring Andrea back mm. to like, you know, roaming, traveling performer. I did spend um, a lot of money in the uh, Gold Saucer. I mean, it's very Vegas. It's great. What was I doing? Oh, it was the basketball one. And I think it tricked oh, me because God, the, bas I hate that. the basketball one, I got like five or six in a row. And I was like, oh, this is, I'm actually doing this really easily. And then, and I got the five MGP or whatever it's called, GP. Yeah. And then the other ones I did afterwards, I was like, oh, I'll try again. I'll try again. And I missed the first time each one after because it's, it, so I, I try to let go when it were when he reached the top because it goes up and then the second he stops I let go. Yeah. But that will on one turn go way over and another turn it'll won't even hit the bar and I'm like well this is just random so how on earth can you? I just. Yeah, I think you've got to get the timing of that exactly right. Mm -hmm. And I think is there a squatting game as well? I didn't do any of that. I my mem see my memory's getting hazy. I did enjoy the roller coaster though. They had to go and shoot things. That was quite cool. Yeah, but you had to use GP for, uh, MGP or whatever it is for that. Also, I feel like there's a, if there's not a squatting one, it's the same basketball one. It's just that he squats, so you've got to press it at mm. exactly oh. the time that his knees are down or whatever. Um, I feel like I wasn't that a different bit. That's not in the golden sauce. The golden sauce. Maybe it's not then. Isn't that in the? Um, on, 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 no, no, that's in the where you have to get the dress. It's one of the challenges in the gym. Oh, is it? That's a, the gym oh, okay. challenge. It's like the pull-up challenge. Because obviously in yeah. remake, like the squats challenge is Yeah, it's awful. a really easy challenge as well to get. Okay, um, fine. It was weird because it was like, if you get 17, then you are guaranteed... I was following a guide for that. So if you get 17, then you're guaranteed a, a victory. And I got 17. Because like watching you hmm. play it has made me want to go back and play it again. And there was an advert for Final Fantasy 15 today and you were like, oh, I want to play Final Fantasy 15 now. Well, I know. You I, just want I just want to play all the Final Fantasies all the time. Um... But seven, I I've been thinking for a while. I do want to replay the original, but that is because Rebirth is coming out February next year. And you'll want to write and, and mention it in articles, won't you? Well, I I just think that whatever I may or may not end up writing about Rebirth when that comes out, the review maybe. Or we we will definitely be talking about it. We'll do a review because we'll be playing it. Um, I think I want to have the original fresh in my mind so that I can make that comparison. Um. Having like the the bit of rebirth I played at the preview, mm. I'm sort of trying. I was trying to remember the order of events beforehand and sort of trying to place it and 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 have that comparison. Um, you know, that's a massive open world, and now you've seen the world map. You know, it's just flat greens and blues. Yeah, and that now is a fully open world, mm. which is fucking mind blowing. Um, so I want to play the original game, but I also want to play remake again, so that I've got the continuity. And I've only played the Intermission DLC once. So I also want to go back only. and remind myself of that. I've played everything else like four times, but I want to play that 
again to remind mm. myself what that story is to try and work out how that fits in. I met Yuffie. There's so many. I, I, I should probably play Crisis Core again. You should play Crisis Core. After seven. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so many moving parts to it. I want to replay them all just so everything mm. is fresh in my mind so that then I'm not going, is there a squatting game? Because I can't remember. But yeah. No. yeah Maybe no, I will Christmas. be I will be playing more of it. And yeah, it's it's interesting to see a game that's like shaped so many others mm. and 14 as well. Yes. It's cool seeing. And the, I gotta say the enemies, even just the wild enemies that are not necessarily, we were saying this before, um, but like not some of the wild enemies, even the ones that are not huge, like drains. Like sometimes you'll face an enemy and go, Oh my God, look at this. this is just like one of these random massive enemies that I've encountered. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, no, just looks really, really impressive. And it's just random just kind great of character design. There's some great character design in there. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's it. I think, oh, um, I just downloaded a game, which we're yes. going to talk about next time. But I just downloaded a game called um, Gubbins. Gubbins. And it's not Gubbins. Yorkshire Gubbins. Yorkshire Gubbins was a game, actually, that, um, that was that came out at one point uh, by a developer who then moved to Sweden. I need to chat with her. But, um, yeah, it's called Gubbins, and it's a word game. And if you want to play it on your mobile, it's kind of using tiles to make words, and then you they disappear. A bit like Scrabble. Not really, but you're yeah. making words and then you can eliminate them once you've made a word with the titles. It's good fun. It's really cute. It's very artsy, like it's all pastels and mm. kind of black out, <laughs> black outlines on everything. Quite like looks hand drawn and you can you unlock certain kind of backgrounds and various things. It's not it just it has a lovely style to it and it is quite addictive. And the free version, you can play like a game every nine hours or something like that. But um, I think you can pay six pounds to get unlimited, but it's definitely what I'm probably gonna. Definitely, probably no. It is a game I am highly likely to pay to unlock because I did actually enjoy the two games that I played of it. Nice. I might give it a go. Yeah, but we'll talk about that maybe next week. Anyway, let's see what other people have been playing. Let's. Um, okay, we're starting with Monsieur Weeblay. Uh, I've not been playing much because I've been preparing for a test, which I passed on Wednesday. Well, congrats to you, Wibble. Um, but I've started playing the Fever Dream, which is Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I've always watched people play these games, but this is the first Mario game I'm playing myself. Wow. I'm not counting Kart because, well, that's not Mario. Well, it is, but it's not a platformer. No. I'll give you that. Um, most of the concepts are pretty familiar to me, and I'm not breaking any speed records. I'm just having a blast making silly mistakes and consuming a blue pulsing star-like thing that puts me in what I can only describe as an acid trip. 10 out of 10, would do again. Agree. Definitely agree with that. Yep. Not with the acid. Um, Galinska Doodle. Beyond the usual Baldur's Gate 3 and Deborah Daylight, I picked up Rogue Legacy 2 in the sales. Loved playing the first on my desktop, but it really lends itself to the Switch being easy to pick up, do a run, and put down again if you have the willpower. It's a sequel that is built upon the concepts of the original without losing any of the charm. Each of the classes is different enough to have their niche or playstyle, and the castle building level up system means you don't get swamped by every concept at once. Always had a love for roguelikes, but this one in particular I keep saying one more run to. Isn't Rogue Legacy... I was reading an article about how it, some people find it a little bit troublesome. Troublesome? Yeah, because you know there are like traits... There are, right. So there are different traits and I believe that they're often negative. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> one of them is like Alzheimer's, a trait that you can pass oh, on and then you can't remember where things are in the game and things don't appear where you think they are or whatever. 
<clears throat> but one of the that traits is gay. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gay trait. In Rogue Legacy 2? Um, no, well, in Rogue Legacy 1. However, apparently there is something... Rogue Legacy gay. I mean, there's definitely a, there's a gay trait. Um, it doesn't Does affect it any aspect fabulous? of the game other than cosmetics. Reverses which statue, knight or lady grants the chicken something. So I don't think it's there as a negative, but like there's here I can see somebody that's got the trait and it's like, so Wallace the Paladin traits. Gay, Tourette's. <laughs> gay and Tourette's. Um, Sounds like a great combination. But like here, so here is the description. So Wallace, class pad Paladin. Your standard hero. Pretty good at everything. Special. Guardian shield. Trait. Gay. You're fabulous. Of course. Trait. Tourette's. <laughs> and it's just like asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, spell axe throws a giant axe in an arc I, yeah or so wizard the knight gay dwarfism it does uh, it's quite interesting these traits are uh, interesting yes trait coprolalia coprolalia what's that I don't know coprolalia it's no. um, the involuntary and repetitive use of obscene language as a symptom of mental illness or inorganic brain disease is that Similar to Tourette's, maybe not. But well, there you go. So Rogue Legacy has okay. some interesting. Uh, well, let's bits do this that Rogue Legacy too. So maybe it's different. I think there is a gay one, but I don't think it's called gay. I think it's like you're, there's a, they're a man's man. There, there is. I read an article that said it was troublesome, but I mean, if if I've got a trait that means I'm fabulous, I'm loving that. I mean, I would like that trait. In but real then, life. When, when someone's like gay trait, you're fabulous. There are lots of people who are gay who are not fabulous. Don't you look at me. No, I'm not. A, we we know who we're talking about. Do we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know who you are. Spill the tea. <laughs> Spill the tea. Yeah. But I'm, I'm played Rogue Legacy, actually. Did you like it? Uh, no. Oh. I think I played it on the Vita. It wasn't the Vita, wasn't it? Maybe. I wasn't very good it was at a while it. Ago. That's why I didn't like oh, it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Chaddy, I've been replaying through some games I loved on the PS4. Now I have the PS5 especially as some have been enhanced for it. This week, I played through Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Great game. Uh, the short game that came out after Uncharted 4. The story focuses on yes, Chloe Vita. and Nadine, right. side characters in the main game. The story focuses on Hindu mythology. All the stories from different mythologies I always find interesting. I loved it this time nearly as much as the first as I'd forgotten most of the story and the puzzles. It gives the characters a chance to shine in their own story as I found the Uncharted characters were always great fun. I think the puzzles and temple exploration is more fun as the game is shorter. These parts come much closer together and there isn't much time for any lull in action. It only took around seven hours to complete and it's always a nice feeling when you finish a game. Was that, is that the first one? Lost Sorry. Legacy. Oh, Lost Legacy, yeah. Yes. I was thinking the... What's the I love how he listens. No, I'm thinking Honestly. Nathan Drake. No, because I was... Like, what do they call it? It's the Nathan Drake collection. No, what's the first the three it's called? The, um... the Uncharted Legacy? No. The first three has got a, a name. That's what I was thinking. What's it called? Isn't it, it's not the Nathan Drake collection because that's like the first four, isn't it? Uh, Uncharted first three games is called the... No. That's the Nathan Drake collection. It is the Nathan Drake collection. Drake's Fortune is the first one. Yeah. Among Thieves is the second and Drake's Deception the third. Um, okay. Oh, I, for some reason I thought the first one was called... What's it called again? Lost Legacy. No, Lost Legacy. I thought Logs I thought the Lost Legacy collection was the first three, but it's not. You are incorrect. What was your first uh, Uncharted? One. Oh. I played them all in order as they came out. Oh. Loved you. them. I played three. Two's the worst one. Never played it. 
What? You heard me right. I played the I played three the first time, and my jaw was on the floor when I was playing it. I was like, "This game is like the best game ever." Yeah, the set pieces are amazing. It's the marvel of video games. But two is the one that started that because of the train level, and the train level in two is like one of the best things ever. Lost Legacy has an amazing train level, doesn't it? Right at the end. Yeah, copied it from two. That's okay. Well, I won't play two then. <laughs> But no, three, I just remember being like, oh, this is so cool. This is London. I mean, completely everything is out of proportion. And I think I had just oh, moved like a from London. Oh, EastEnders. It's awful. Yeah, no, but it was... All right, Gavner. Punch was in, her in the face. But I was just absolutely like, amazed that I was doing this cool level in London. And then the next level, you're on like a wall in Iran. Yeah. In a castle. And I'm like, what? what? And then the next level is somewhere else. And I was so... I, I was just obsessed with it. And then I bought... Um, golden abyss for the vita mm -hmm. and was like oh when when's the change when's the change happening and the entire thing is just in a jungle again that's where two change things because the first one is entirely in a jungle um mm. because it was it, i mean it's it's uncharted it, uncharted is tomb raider meets indiana jones yeah and it was in a, the whole of the first one is in a jungle and then the second one is when they start going world hopping and then the third one they just exaggerated that. Oh, I loved it. Like the cruise ship level in three. That was cool. Or ship level anyway. Yeah, and it's it all flips ship? upside down. Yeah. The big tanker. Oh, yeah. I just remember being like, this is And there's the burning phenomenal. building as well. But yeah, I remember that. Oh, the other bit in Uncharted 2 that's amazing. So there's there's two levels that stand out. Um, there's the train level, we already said. Before that, um, there's a level where you're going through this town um, and then you get to the top of this building and this helicopter flies in. And so you've then got to like run and dodge it. And you're like going through this building while this helicopter's outside shooting at you and basically like destroys the building and the whole building tilts while you're in mm. it and you go sliding down shooting everyone. And like stuff like that happens quite a lot in games now. But yeah. at the time, everyone was like, holy fuck, the technology yeah. to make like the level move around you while yeah. you're in it. Like it was mind blowing at the time. They're, they're good at that uh, when yeah. you're inside somewhere kind of messing up. I remember, I think it was four where you're in a truck going down. Or was it, was it four where you're in a truck going through a small town? You start at the top and you have to go through all the streets as some things are chasing you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, all I remember from that is I think it was E3 where they had a demo yes, and, and it, it went wrong and it went yeah. all wrong. And then exactly. they had to show like pre-recorded footage of it. But yeah, yeah. Four was good. It just it just reused a lot of I need another one. But Uncharted is like the it's kind of like the Ratchet and Clank Spider-Man. It just it shows off everything. It shows off the like the maximum power that your console can do. It, it is the perfect kind of superhero movie without having a superhero. It's just the you know, the Avengers. It's all the big explosions, the big set pieces, the big bangs. The story is yeah, but the actual but the events the characterization is good yeah because no. the acting is good yeah them. and they've got like the best voice actor like yeah. they have the yeah the a-list voice actors the graphics are pretty much second to none yeah it's and the, the things is that happen why, is incredible fuck the last of us part two coming out again just bin that give us another uncharted yeah i'm really done with the last of us oh, I, I was like dumb. the first never... game the first game i honestly loved and then, and I enjoyed the TV show, but I'm I'm so done with it now. It's, yeah. It feels really overdone. Just give me more Uncharted. Speaking of, oh, by the way, speaking of games I've been playing, I have, I'll talk about it probably next time, but I'm doing a playthrough of Spider-Man 2. If you are listening to this now and watching it and you want to check it out, 
go and check out my YouTube, youtube.com slash biggestbenness, which you might not be looking, watching this on. You might be listening on uh, the podcast players, but I'm doing a playthrough of Spider-Man. I've done three episodes at the time of recording this. And the third one I've just done has a bit, which I'm going to talk about in the future, probably when I finish Spider-Man, maybe we'll have a nice chat about it. But there is a bit in the level that's very much Ratchet and Clank, a rift in time. And yep. I was like, oh my God. And it was, unfortunately, I was recording it very late last night. So I was quite tired and it was a bit more subdued, but in my head, and especially this morning, it was the first thing I thought about. I was like, that was really cool. Yeah. And I'm so glad they did that. It's definitely a nod to Ratchet. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Pancake, I've been playing Coral Islands since it came out for real. Some of it is very Stardew-like, especially the pacing, when and how you receive different items. But it's different enough to be fun. I really like the extra step in diversity of characters too. Different ethnicities, LGBTQ representation, characters with prosthetic limbs. But it's a little sad to me that only one of the non-binary characters is dateable. I also really enjoy the ocean cleaning aspect, as it is quite different from what I've seen in other farming sims. And there's so much to do on any given day. I started to stress out until I found out that you can change the speed that time passes in settings, which has been quite the game changer oh, for me. I like the little settings like that that have just quality of life. Like in Disney Dreamlight Valley, which coming out of Game Pass after letting me get far in it and I'm not Shocking. buying it. Um, but you know, like there there you can change the appearance of the day because it follows the real time. So if it's mm. if you're only playing kind of in the evening after after dinner, maybe that's the only time that you can play it, then you would permanently play that in the dark like animal crossing but there's a one there's a thing where it'll be like no the time stays exactly the same so people are asleep whenever they're asleep but we can make it kind of appear daylight so it's all bright and colorful yeah. which i really like nice and then lastly we have a story from Gemma. oh here we go is it is she gonna cry does she cry in it? are there any crying emojis well there are no emojis at all oh. it's pure text is I've it erotic playing, i hope so <laughs> I've been playing some Sims 4, especially the City Living Expansion Pack. In it, you live in an apartment in a building and there are new careers, entertainment facilities and furniture outfits, etc. Instead of buying your place, you pay rent, which is nice because you don't blow your starting cash all at once, but it does mean your bills are a lot higher. I randomly generated a character who accidentally turned out to look just like Liz. Of course. Liz being Gemma's wife. But I continued on, determined not to play through the city living version of my four other characters, make a woman, get into a sapphic relationship, lots of woohoo. I have done this in the country, I have done this on the beach, I have done this at work, I have done this with an alien. Has she done it in the game as well? Probably. <laughs> so I get an affordable apartment and move not Liz in, and immediately the woman who lives next door shows up at my door in a towel. Written in caps. She asks to come in and use my shower, where she gets flirty. And then she eats my freshly made breakfast. Not a euphemism. Scrambled eggs. Um, and sits on the sofa flirting with me. So we kissed while, make, while watching TV on my sofa. I'm only so principled about these things. <laughs> Fun expansion so far. You don't even need to leave your apartment to find woohoo. Only con is that I feel Sims expansions are quite expensive. But I get lots of playtime and enjoyment from them, so it's okay. That's very, very modern that, you know, you don't need to leave your apartment to have woohoo. Yeah. I don't need to leave my apartment for woohoo. Neither do I. <laughs> um, I look actually... forward to more adventures of non-Liz. And we are next, th I think we'll have, we won't, have re well, we will have recorded the next podcast anyway, but we're going to a, a Sims event next uh, next week. Next week, we are. Just before the Game Awards. Yes. <clears throat> also, speaking of the Game Awards, well, 
we might could mention it at the end, but I'll end up forgetting. Uh, the Game Awards next year, next week, we are going to do an emergency podcast, our first ever emergency podcast. Oh, are we? Straight after the Game Awards at oh, 4 a.m. Um, it'll be small. It'll be like 20 to 30 minutes. But it's we're going to be talking about it immediately afterwards, and it'll be uploaded straight away. So our first emergency pod. Mm. That's going to be our thing. Whenever there's like big, big news that we really instantly want to talk about, we'll do an emergency pod. We'll look out for that. Everyone. We'll press the button. Press the emergency button, like in Among Us. Nice. Okay. Anything else? That was all. Oh, okay. Anything but happened in the speaking news? Speaking of news. <clears throat> Anything happened in the news? So we've been on holiday and therefore I haven't been working, so I don't really know what happened. But there was one big thing that happened, mm. which we thought we could talk about. Oh, I've got to drink on my tea. That's not the news. No. Well, I mean, that's old news. You always do that. Yeah. So there was a certain thread that appeared on Twitter, or X. No, Twitter. Twitter. Um, that caused a bit of a stir among content creators and influencers and also among journalists. Mm. Now, this thread was written by Mike Rose, who runs a publishing company and is known for doing um, stats-based threads where he's talked about the performance of games. He's quite well known for this, quite well respected for this. And he had a tweet thread about Spirity, which is a new kind of life simmy, stardewy type game. Um, but it, good things. Well, aside from this thread, the game itself <clears> seems good. Obviously, not made by him. He just works for the publisher. Um, yeah, not and the developer. And the developer's different. Yes, the developer's someone else. And it's a sort of um, spirited away, running a bathhouse uh, mm. kind of vibe game. And so we had this long thread where um, Mike is talking about the performance of the game, um, the launch, due to where it's been successful. It was very fascinating, he says. Um, Usually we do very well on Steam, then the console versions catch up in the months afterwards. For Spirity, Steam was our weakest platform, with Xbox and Switch accounting for 80% of the revenue. Wasn't it on Game Pass? Um, It might have been, yeah. Um, So he goes through the thread and talks about the performance on different platforms, um, on Xbox Game Pass, yep, uh, has, as usual, been huge for us. Mm. Um, and then we get to a bit about YouTube. And this, I mean, looking what he said, yeah, it wasn't the best thing, but the conversations that came from it, that's where it, it went It sparked down. a lot of conversation. <clears throat> exactly. So he says, a hugely noticeable thing that happened during this launch was that we got absolutely zero YouTube coverage at all with a screenshot of some YouTube coverage. Yeah, I think some of those were were like a couple of the big ones, the trailer, but there were some bigger there were some content creators who'd made thing who'd made content for it and had thousands of views and yeah, he kind of dismissed it as Well, did he dismiss it? Would you class that? I mean saying that you've got no views or no coverage and then it, showing people with their names as well. Saying it that's sounds nothing. a bit like a dismissal, yeah. Uh, he says, <coughs> go search Spirity on YouTube and you'll see there's just a couple of big videos. Nearly every YouTuber who got back to us wanted money to make a video. And then I'll keep reading. Now look, I get it. That's just how this works now. YouTubers want you to pay them to cover your games. All right, sure. But I just don't want to do that. It feels weird and icky and disingenuous and I just can't do it. So I guess our games won't get covered on YouTube anymore. Um, of course, the fact that we still managed a $1 million launch without yeah. any influencer support <clears throat> makes me think, what could we have achieved if I did pay some people? So maybe I'll be forced into it in the future. But God, I just really don't want to. It's so fucking ugh. 
And disclaimer, I whatever I'm my opinions are that I'm going to say are not the same necessarily the same as Ed's because you are. But we thought we'd it'd be interesting to talk about this because Ed's obviously a professional games journalist. That is his job. And I am not a professional games journalist, nor am I a professional content creator in the sense that that's my main job. I just do it for fun because I enjoy it. And I do get some money from it, but it's like about... I'd say you're pretty pro. I get about 10%, if that, <laughs> of what I get uh, from my main job. So it's yeah. it's it's a very small... It's more of a hobby. But I do, and I do appreciate the money I do get from it. Now, I will say that the following day after this blew up, Mike did tweet again saying, hey, everyone, I've really fucked up here and I'm massively sorry. I've been reading your comments and replies and it's clear that I've completely missed the mark. I absolutely value the work that YouTubers and content creators do and my words didn't reflect that at all. Correct. Did you delete the um, original? I'm no, no, it's still there. Um, I'm going to be reading loads more on all this and get better educated so I can be less of a dickhead in the future. Mm. Um, so what were your thoughts <clears throat> when you... Did you see this thread or did you see the reactions to it first? I saw somebody react to it, but sometimes when I see somebody reacting to a tweet and I see that it's got quite a few comments, I won't look at that. I, I won't read what that person said. I'll just go straight into that tweet. Mm -hmm. And then, so I can see that first rather than the person's comment. And I read that and yeah, I thought it was a bit dickish to say, if I can just look at it again. Yeah. Uh, so I've got the Sorry, exact... Sorry, I've got past it now. So I, I thought it was a bit of a, a dickish to kind of dismiss it as kind of nobody's because there's somebody um, my, looking at the ones that are not trailers, someone called Mad Morph, who has played over two hours of it uh, with 41,000 views. It's been up for six days. Apparently that's nothing. Uh, yeah, there's the trailer there. There's another 40 minutes. Someone's got 10K views, the Cozy Gaming Club. Uh, another one is a trailer. So there, there are two gameplay videos who they've got tens of thousands. And so to dismiss that as um, absolutely virtual, uh, absolutely zero YouTube coverage at all and put asterisks around at all mm -hmm. is very, very dismissive of, of that person. But I think, yeah, you can complain that, yeah, we didn't really get it. If, it's, if you did get a couple or a small handful of videos, then maybe that don't, doesn't really... Well, I think it does because I... Content creators and people that make these videos, they've got very strong communities. Majority of content creators, especially ones that play these type of games, have very, very close communities. The number of people who've bought games, that have bought games consoles from watching me playing Animal Crossing or other games. like the If I'm playing a brand new game for the first time, I guarantee that two or three people will be playing, if, if I'm enjoying it, that two or three people will also go and play that, um, whether they buy it or whether they just download it from Game Pass or whatever. So it does, and that's just little old me. This person with 40,000 views, they're going to be what, it's going to have a lot of people watching it and going, you know what, I'm really looking forward to this. I want to go and play it and I'm going to download it. So yeah, it might seem that there are only a few videos, but don't underestimate the amount of people that are going to buy the game or download it. Because I think the return on investment and everybody that I've spoken to in marketing has said like the return on investment when it comes to influencers and people and content creators is like one of the best. Like it's way better than kind of advertising on a, in a magazine or you know on in ads uh, on websites and stuff like that. Yeah, like content creators are the ones where if you put in if you put in a, a thousand pounds of ads on a on Eurogamer or IGN or any other large news site, that thousand pounds or probably ten thousand pounds is not going to bring in as much as paying ten thousand pounds over you know to pay certain influencers to play. 
So that I, I disagree with. But then it's sure you can feel ugh, an icky about paying people to promote your game. But that's like feeling icky about making an advert. But the fact that the instead of people who are running advertising companies getting money, there's creators getting money. The thing that, I mean, we're going to probably talk where this discourse has gone to, but a content creator playing a game for 40 minutes or two hours or whatever and producing a video probably would be like an hour. I imagine if you're speaking to a content creator who's kind of YouTube only, you're probably looking at a video that might be five, 10 minutes, maybe up to an hour if they want to do less editing, I guess, because if it becomes like over one to two hours, it's kind of a playthrough. So it's probably, well, depends on the person, but maybe not as much editing. But those videos are not, I mean, those sponsored videos, if you do a sponsored video, that's marketing. That's getting people and asking them to use their talents to create their videos. They're the experts in making these videos. They're the experts in putting these together, making it interesting, making it fascinating for people to watch. They're the people, they're the skills that you're getting from those people. And they're the skills that you're paying for. You're not paying for them to necessarily say nice things, although I'll tell you in a second when I've done sponsored streams, but you're paying for them uh, to create that video, but you're also paying for their audience as well. Because these people are not nobodies. They've built up audiences. They know what they're like their fan base will like and they're showing this game so i don't i completely disagree with him saying it's well if he wants to say it's uh i can't disagree with that that's his feeling but to be like oh i don't agree where it feels weird and icky and disingenuous to ask somebody to make a video for you and then for them to show their community if you're if you are reaching out to people who do like these kind of games and they're a bit cozy then it's the opposite of disingenuous because you're reaching out to these people because you think that they will like this game and you think their community will like the game. And then they go and do all the hard work making the video, putting it together and promoting it on their own social media or all their own social sites to their fans. It's the absolute opposite of disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first bits of discourse that came out of this is, is you know, oh, how dare you not pay content creators? And I think we can all agree that, you know, content creators deserve to be paid for their work because yeah. everybody deserves to be paid for their work. Um, but it's it's understanding what the nature of these videos or what this content is. Because ultimately, as as you will know from doing these sorts of videos, often you are paid to do a playthrough. You're mm. not necessarily writing a review of this game. You're just being asked to play it mm. to your audience. And that is just content marketing. Mm. So you're not paying for criticism. You're paying for someone to play the game yeah. and just share it with their audience. And if someone has a big audience, you are paying to be a part of that. And I think some people feel like that's not authentic because you are, you're, you're paying someone to play mm. something rather than it sort of happening organically and naturally and building up an audience. But like, is any marketing authentic? Really? Like, no you're, no, you're 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 targeting people. And so the best kind of marketing feels authentic, even if it's not. Because what you've done is you've targeted, mm. we have a product, we need to find the, the audience for it. How do we put those things together? Mm. Well, what you're paying for is a content creator to sit in the middle and put those things together. And when it that is inauthentic because there's a transaction involved, mm. but it feels authentic when that's done right because the target audience is right. 
And that's when you have someone who is an influencer manager who can say, right, I see your game. I can see that that is a cozy game, for mm. instance. Here are 10 cozy streamers with 500,000 followers between them. Mm. If we pay a small amount of money, relatively small, to and give them a copy of the game to play that, that is then targeting the correct audience yeah. for you to then play that. Yeah. And that then feels authentic, even though there's a transaction involved, mm. it feels authentic to the audience because they're then getting a recommendation from essentially their content yeah. creator friend who they trust. And I mean, it might not even be a recommendation, it might be just, hey, I'm showing you this game. The thing is, what they're providing, when you go, in, when you go to a content creator, you're providing them with a game key and potentially some money if, it's, uh, if, you're, if you're paying for a sponsored stream or a sponsored video. The creator is doing everything else. They are obviously downloading it, they're, made, they're playing the game, they're editing it, they are choosing and making thumbnails, they are writing the description. They put a lot of time editing and, and creating this content. And then they are also promoting it to their fan base. And quite a lot of the time, these promotional videos uh, or these sponsored streams or sponsored videos will include like another piece of social marketing. Like I'd also, yeah, please also post it on your social media, on your Twitter account or on your Instagram. Um, and maybe they'll say, hey, if you've also got a little clip and you can put it on TikTok, great. That's also, that'll cost them extra money. So they're doing so much. They're doing everything. They're creating this content. They're creating the marketing content takes hours and hours and hours. People make spend three days making videos for these, I've seen. And then they're also promoting it to an audience that they've got this massive audience of people who like those type of games. It's it's like not expecting to pay these type of these people is like ludicrous. Uh, and I know he was giving out code, Mike was giving out codes for people who wanted to for creators who wanted to play it. So like review codes or early access codes to play it. But they're not at liberty to make content on it. And if it's a smaller game, unfortunately, if it's not a sequel or it's not a game that's got a lot of hype, these creators who have got like big followings, they might, oh, if I put out like an un, like a game that's pretty much unheard of, then I'm probably not going to get that many views. And unfortunately, when it comes to YouTube and like monetizing and making a career out of it, which is what a lot of these people do, you've got to be consistent and you've got to be consistent with the type of content you're putting out and you start putting out a load of promotional stuff that's not really a fit for your community then people are just going to un unsubscribe and go elsewhere mm. so it's a risk it's like yeah like you have to keep doing what you're doing like for example ninja i remember back in the day there was the Fortnite. um it was like a, there was a twitch con Fortnite exhibition and i think the the winnings was like five thousand pounds or five thousand dollars or something and ninja went there and won but he shared afterwards that actually he lost, well, he lost, but he took a huge dip in his earning from that because he didn't stream for two days and all the prime subs and everything that was coming for him, the money that he won from that tournament was nowhere near. It was like a tenth of what he was actually earning just by doing a stream. So, but he did that for obviously for the promotion and exposure and, you know, being and helping out Twitch mm. and being like one of the star people at this event. I think it was a, yeah, it was one of the first Twitch cons. I remember I think it was outside in the sun, like nobody could touch the keyboards. It was very bizarre. <laughs> anyway, digress completely, but yeah, no, they, people are careful as well with what they're making and like creators who are, if they get offered a sponsored stream or something that they're not comfortable with, like I've been, I'm doing a sponsor stream on Friday mm -hmm. for steam world build, which is, a game that's very much similar to the type of thing that I would play. And I haven't done sponsor stream in months and months. Um, but this is 
a building game and it's a management game. And I've just been playing loads of City Skyline. So it kind of fits in perfectly with what I do. But creators are like, they know what they want. And so they'll also be one. They're not just going to be doing it for the sake of it. They're not going to be like, hey, this person's come with some money. Doesn't fit my channel whatsoever, but I'm going to get some money from it. Very few people would do that, especially the bigger ones. Yeah. So you've been targeted for that because yeah. they can see it's the right fit. And therefore it's the assumption of, well, if you're playing that, your audience are also going to enjoy it and might then go and buy it. Yeah. And are you able to be transparent about what the what you've been asked to do as part of that? Yeah. You. So I can be trans. I can tell you what they've asked me in the past when it comes to this. The so sponsored streams that I've done very very rarely restrictive. Uh, I've never had it where they've said you must speak positively about it. And I've done a fair few. I mean, I've been streaming for seven years now. Um, and I've had partnerships like with PlayStation that were six months. I've had one-off, many one-offs. I've had ones where it's like three or four streams. And never had anything was where it was positive. I've had it where it's like, if it's negative, maybe be, be constructive about it. And the only thing I've seen, which I was like, oh, okay, I'll make sure not to do that. And a couple of times I, I messed up because it's just natural was don't compare it to similar games on the market. Mm. So there was a game. I don't want to say the name just in case there was an NDA when I was doing it, but there was a game that was similar to Animal Crossing that I did a sponsored stream for. And it was like, please don't compare it to Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing. Mm. And it was a game I actually loved. You probably know which one. Maybe. Yeah. I can't remember all of your streams. <laughs> it begins with the word story. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the one when it was a really popular stream. Mm -hmm. So that one, I, which is very, very obvious now, I really, really enjoyed the game. And a couple of times I mentioned it accidentally that, you know, comparing it to Stardew and, and Animal Crossing, but in a very favorable way, because mm -hmm. I loved it. And that, that wasn't just me saying it. But even if I had, if I've done sponsored streams of games that I played and I've realized I didn't really like it, but just did the bare minimum and you can always tell. But yeah, it's like, I've never had it where people say you must speak these, you know, these really positive things about it. And you've never been asked to do anything critical for money, i.e. write a review video or anything like that. Never, never, never. That's something that I don't think anybody would do. No. And I've never seen that. Maybe there are. I'm sure people would be like, well, actually, here's a, a, here's a link to some random YouTuber who was paid to do this review or who's got this sponsored review. But a sponsored review, I mean, not only is it terrible and like ruins the legitimacy of the creator but it also does for the game as well because it's like you're paying people to do reviews on youtube because as well as much as people and i've seen people in certain people that work for games media websites who are old school which i'm sure i'll go on to a little rant about in later they're claiming that oh they they don't they don't announce when they're doing uh, sponsored streams you know they don't say it it's like they they do you you genuinely have to if you don't, you can lose your YouTube channel. If you're doing sponsored streams, I mean, if you're in the UK, especially you're against, it's against the law. Like you have to have ad, you have to have ad like, now I think you have to have it before. If you're doing a, a sponsored tweet or you're doing a sponsored stream and you're tweeting about it, you have to put ad at the beginning because now you can have tweets that are so long that, you know, you have to click the show more. Mm. So now you need ad in a prominent position. So you put it at the beginning of the, I, like I've done, when I did tweets, uh, when I did part of my PlayStation sponsorship, I had to put ad out. They would come back to me like, no, you need ad at the very, very beginning. I was going to say that's also on the publisher to then check your work yeah. and say, well, actually you haven't done that right. Can you 
put in <clears> the <throat> ad and everything else. Yeah, no, that I've like hundred percent that. So they've yeah, they've come to me and said like for I think it was WD Black. So that was the internal storage for PlayStation and it was really good sponsorship and it was something that I really wanted as well. And that's another thing. I would never say yes to a sponsored stream of a game that I didn't really want to play. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. I've, in fact, I've said yes once to Raid Shadow Legends. They were offering me £800 base. And then for if five people downloaded it, it was like an extra 100 And then if 10 did it, it was going to make me a lot, a lot of money. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, mm, maybe I should have done it. But at the time, I was fine for money. And I was like, I don't know. It just kind of would ruin a bit of my kind of integrity integrity that's analogous yeah my integrity because people like oh it's you only play that game to make money because yeah who plays that game who plays that game for fun and that's when it feels inauthentic because it's forced because it's well i'm doing this for the money people see through that and therefore Mm. the marketing doesn't work but interestingly enough that stream elements it was street no it wasn't stream elements i think they do it now oh no it was through stream elements but it was before stream elements had their sponsorship thing that they've got going on now, you know, that anybody can kind of sign up for. Mm. Um, and it was, they reached out to me privately, like in a, a DM asking me for it. And they were like, it, and I said, I like, it's not really my thing for the stream. Um, and they said, oh, you, you know, don't worry. You can say bad things about it. You know, we, if you want it, if you think it's terrible, you can say it's terrible. Wow. And genuinely they said that. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I probably would have done, but I was like I'd just become a partner. I was, I had quite high views and I'm like, if, I, if they see me just start playing that, I, I at the time thought, oh, that's no, because then I might lose my integrity a bit. But mm. now I'm like, mm. if somebody came to me and said, hey, we play Raid Shadow Legends for two hours for 800 pounds. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. And I, I said, whenever I see people play, I'm like, you, you get that, <laughs> get that, money. get that bag. Yeah. Because I think that, it's a misunderstanding of what that content is, which is why it feels icky. Mm. Because there's the 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 assumption that you are paying for a review and that that video is going to be a review. Mm. And no one should ever be paid for a review. No. If it's a review, it's critical thinking, it's your words, that has to be impartial. Mm. So you cannot be paid for that. No. And that's why journalists, to be very clear, are not paid for reviews. Now no. we are in the sense of, I'm employed. I'm employed and I have a salary. Yeah. But I'm not paid by a publisher for a review or anything like that. That, no. that absolutely never happens. No. And oh, just before, sorry, if I continue with that, the w, I forgot to finish that WD Black story. I So when I mentioned WD Black, because they wanted like two shout outs per stream, and it was like three streams. And I created highlights on Twitch to like show where I'd done that. And on one of the like eight clips that i'd made i hadn't included the hash the hashtag ad on it because it was a highlight it's not the main stream mm-hmm. like the mainstream title obviously had it and everything but because one they they got that immediately like hey you really need to put the ad on there because you know etc cool can you do that that was like the first thing that they mentioned about within minutes yeah um and like so yeah you they are publishers are very very much on it as well like pr companies and publishers they know they have to be you know, they they will check to make sure your streams say that. Because mm-hmm. they know they don't want the person to be in trouble because they'll get into trouble as well as much as the creator will if they get spotted that they're doing uh, sponsored stuff and not mentioning it. Yeah. But sorry, yeah. You, games reviews are never no, paid. No, we are, we are absolutely not paid. Um, that would be icky. Yeah. And that is absolutely where the line is. So I think it's, it's understanding the difference here between what is content marketing and what is journalism. Um, and journalism is is critical. And that is... 
very important. I think it's personally, I think it's really important that we have journalists. Obviously, mm. I'm going to say that because that's me. But I think it's good that we do have reviews. There are critical thinkers. There are people mm. who hold the industry to account and hold game makers to, to account. Um, but that's not necessarily what influencers do or content no. creators. Now, they might do. You, Some you, do really you know, good ones. You might, yeah. you might take a code, do a stream of it, and then maybe keep the code and then go and do something else afterwards. But you've already done what you've been paid to do, which yeah. was marketing. So that is its own thing. Um, and I think this is when the sort of contrasting opinions started appearing, which tended to be from predominantly journalists. Well, it was really weird because every time somebody posted something, I think that's a bit of a shit take. And, and it was like shitting on influencers. I'd literally every single one. And I've never, and out of the 15 people that I've seen, let's say that had these weird views, every single one. I clicked on and they were either an editor for a video game website or a, an editor of some sort or a journalist for some, obviously one that, and I don't, it just comes across that, yes, it is a bit shit now that their spaces that they were getting exclusive access to now creators are being invited to as well. And I think that's rubbing them up the wrong way, which I kind of understand, but also it's, that's the way things are going now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the thing here is is journalists being paid for reviews has long been an argument used by trolls and was something that came up in Gamergate like yeah, which, ten years ago. Which it wasn't what Gamer well, it's not what Gamergate was. Gamergate was about sort of the the intrusion, I guess, of politics in games. And a lot of that was rooted in misogyny and about women wanting better representation. Mm -hmm. There was Anita Sarkeesian's um, Feminist Frequency YouTube channel that um, was analysing games and asking for better female representation, um, uh, better representation of women. And a lot of people didn't like that. And that was kind of the catalyst for Gamergate. Mm -hmm. And I get it. A lot of journalists were caught up in that and have been accused of a lot of terrible things. Mm -hmm. And so then to see sort of seeing content creators wanting money to cover something it, yeah it, I, I can see how that would rub people up the wrong way when you take it the wrong way but it's the understanding that that is content marketing and that is different to what journalists do um basically because like you'll do a journalist will do a preview for a game let's say you're doing a preview for like final fantasy rebirth which you did final fantasy 7 rebirth and then if somebody is then a content creator is being paid to make a video of pretty much the same event that you went to or to, with the content that they've been done, which I don't think they have. But is that something, would you say that that's two, that are two different things? So that that's where, in all honesty, my confusion begins a bit. Um, I can see for journalists where it's annoying, like you say, that more and more content creators are being invited to what used to be just pure journalists as media. Mm. Um, I've been there. I've been to previews and there are content creators there. And I'm like, oh, hang on. Well, why are you here? This this is a media event. What? This is for journalists. Um, and quite often now they are separated. So it might be that there's a day and like half the first half is journalists, the second half is content creators or something like that. That sometimes happens. Um, and I remember also being a bit rubbed up the wrong way of, well, hang on, this is, this is a journalist space. So what, why are you here? Mm. So I get that. Um, I think when it comes to a game is being released and we need promotion for it, that yeah. I understand. When it's pre-release and it's kind of, 
like you know games are games journalists are there to write a preview of something and be therefore to be critical you know it's yeah. a, it's almost a mini review before the full game is out you are being asked to be critical and give an opinion yeah um if influencers are coming in and doing the same thing but then wanting to be paid for that that for me then becomes a very blurry yeah. line because that... that's criticism and you should not mm. be paid for that but actually, i don't know if i actually have seen that happen I don't know either. No. I don't know if people have. The, the majority. But I'm just saying that for me is where yeah. it is blurry. The majority of paid content, and whenever I've been, whenever I've done um, sponsored streams of a game, it has been pretty much exclusively at launch. Yeah, it's just been there to hey, drum up the numbers, drum, you know, show that this game is now out. Um, it's often on like release day or the day or two before. If it's, if I if I'm allowed to do a stream a few days before, then. You know, I have loads of people. I was doing Jurassic Evolu Jurassic World Evolution 2 like a few days before. I can't remember what it was. And like the amount of people that would come in and be like, oh my God, how are you playing this now? This looks cool. How is it different from the previous one? And people would be getting excited watching me play it. And then they'd obviously go out and buy it yeah. uh, when it comes out. So that's the kind of promotional stuff. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. That's, yeah. that's content marketing. That's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I can understand the sort of vitriol sort of from from the media or some people in the media um i think unfortunately this is just the way that things are going this is this has been happening very slowly for a long time um very gradually and we're at a point now where this is normalized and i think that publishers need to need to understand that and and get on it mm -hmm. and the media also need to understand it and sort of get used to it and i think there needs to be a clear understanding of where the line is of what is criticism and mm -hmm. what is marketing um but this is yeah. this is where the industry has been going for for a long time and i think people need to understand that i think any anger at content creators is maybe a bit misplaced and actually is should be well not should be but i i think the problem is that the role of games media is diminishing mm. and that's i think is really sad but we are yeah. seeing, you know, it's it's a fact that we've seen so many, you know, how many magazines do you have now? You know, back in the day, you'd have magazines and that is where people found their news. I used to buy various magazines of like this. I would go, literally go to WH Smith. Yep. Uh, I don't know if they, yeah, they do still exist. Yes. And I would get kind of three games magazines, all yeah. the same. And it'd be Edge, I'd get Games TM and I'd probably get, well, I usually get official UK PlayStation magazine delivered. But I would get all of those because they'd have different screenshots. Yeah. And I would be genuinely looking at the same game in both of them, reading about both of them, uh, the same game in them. But because they had different screenshots in them, that's why I would buy multiple ones. But I think you're right. People, uh, it's, people are changing how they're getting their information about games. They're not necessarily wanting to read a whole article on a website. They're not necessarily buying magazines and reading these. There I mean, are still people that do. Did. Yeah, no, but they're, they're not. They're preferring to watch YouTube videos. So... Yeah, the kind of the games journalists, the old school ones that you know change. They, it's like unfortunately you have to adapt. I mean, you have to adapt. Game. That's why like IGN, for example, every review they do, they have a video review as well. And that, and they're and out of when it comes to uh, IGN, I'm not gonna ask you this question or mention you as well. I don't read IGN reviews, but I watch a lot of them on YouTube. And that's where I'm getting my stuff from. So if I think if gaming publications want to get people to watch their reviews or to read their reviews or to read some of their coverage, unfortunately, like YouTube is where people are going these days. So that's where you have to make the content. 
and that's sad because I'm not a video maker. I'm a writer, and I think there's power. With them. There's power in words, and people should understand that, and people should read reviews. But the words I can don't be agree spoken. With that. And you don't agree with it, but that's unfortunately the way things are well, going. I know. And 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 the but the prob the problem here there therefore is the internet and and the effect the internet's had. As I was saying, people would go and buy magazines and you'd buy your demo discs and all of those sorts of things. And so many of those magazines are gone now. They don't exist. We all moved to the internet and we started looking at websites. But the problem is that no one's really found a good way of monetizing a website. And so mm. no one is paying for video game journalism. And so in, no one's paying for journalism in general. Even like, you know, your big general news sites. Very few people really pay for that, I don't think. Mm. Unless maybe you've got like a time subscription, the odd person. But most people don't want to pay for journalism because they can just go to a website and see it for free. Yeah. And so it's really hard to monetize that. And so even journalism websites are dying, let alone magazines. Mm. Um, That's why and you... so it's it's... A lot of people don't want to go there. And so therefore a lot of the audience has moved, unfortunately, to, well, not unfortunately, but has moved, factually, to content creators. And they go so, to, but they're going to YouTube. Like IGN I go to, and I don't know if they have ads or not, but the ads on YouTube do bring in money. But it's weird, like, yeah, they don't want to pay for, they don't literally pay with a bank account to get subscriptions to these websites or to make it ad-free. But when it comes to YouTube, they'll happily sit through an advert or, you know, the first five seconds of one to skip it or... If it's something, if they're really interested in it, they will sit through those ads. And those ads are the ones that are maybe direct, not, they're not paying them with their own money, but they're paying them with their time and watching that. And that is making the content creator money. Like yeah. people make a lot of money from ads on YouTube. I, I'm small on YouTube. Like I, we've got a few videos that have kind of gone off uh, with the Ben Starr interview, the, uh, the, um, the Vera Wilde and Jennifer English from, Baldur's Gate 3 interviews, they've gone a bit high. My smaller videos, I don't monetize whatsoever. Like, for example, the Spider-Man playthrough. I don't know if there are any ads on there. Maybe if there's music, they might have added an ad on. But I I turned off monetization on them because there's nothing that comes through. But I just had a quick look today and I was like, oh, in the last month and a half, I've made £60. I'm like, that's not insignificant from a couple of old videos that have still getting, you know, a, a dozen, a few dozen views each day. It's that's where you make the money. Yeah. And like, I just think video game websites need to move to video. I mean, I disagree with that, but okay. Well, no, maybe <laughs> not move to it, but can they use that to subsidize it? Because unfortunately games, written game reviews or written critical thinking is becoming more and more niche for old people. I mean, I think that's true, and I think that's a shame. Obviously, I'm going to say yeah, that because no, that's, what, that's my job. I grew up but on I it. Think I grew that up is, reading it. That so. is a real shame, and that should never be paid for. But people that do that still deserve to make money somehow. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of money in that. Um, and fewer and fewer people are going to those places to to read those things. But if they can go to someone that they essentially see as a friendly face mm. and say, oh, they're playing a game that I think I might like, and... I can totally see the appeal in that. And I can therefore see the appeal in wanting to monetize that and pay someone mm. to to access their audience as long as that person is being paid for that. So I can see why content marketing is, has blown up. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it has been to the detriment of journalism. I think, and as I well think that's, that's where anger and, and annoyance sort of 
should be placed is just that situation. And I don't know what the answer is to that or how to change it. But I think that the answer is not to be angry at content creators for, for making money for doing something that they're good at. Um, I, I think it's a shame that seemingly journalists and content creators are struggling to coexist. And it the young, it's interesting seeing some younger content creators, uh, some younger journalists and also people in PR have been like, no, content creators, they're doing their... And I've seen a few, I actually have, it's not been all, it's tend to be like the older male content creators, uh, male journalists and editors and stuff that I've noticed that have these views, which is kind of expected. If you say so. Yeah, exactly. Like what I'm saying, my opinion is completely, is not at all uh, necessarily the same or, or shared by Ed, but they are, they do tend to be the the older ones that have been in the industry a long time and have seen these things changing and I don't think they're too happy. But I, I just, the main thing is content creators who make a promotional video for a game and are paid for it, that is the type of marketing as much an advert is. People doing reviews or critical writing, they're not getting paid because it's a critical piece of journalism they are different things they are completely different things and that's it but i was going to say when you were talking about they're going to people are going to the content creators that they like to go and see what they think of a game or their opinion those i think there is a problem when it comes to people's like confirmation bias which i think is the phrase where people who like oh i love xbox xbox my thing my identity i put the the random thing in my profile and my you know xbox gamer is in my profile when i look for a review of starfield i'm going to go to a uh, to a content creator who's going to say great things about starfield because i want to be proven right that you know that my choice that i've nailed my clothes to the mast and i support the xbox team i need to go and get confirmation that that is the best game and i think that's depressing and that is why games journalism is important because it is impartial yes now there might be xbox focused websites or playstation focused websites or yeah. nintendo focused websites and they're gonna have a small bias everyone has a bias i yeah. work for an impartial website i still have a slight bias of of the types of games that i like yeah to play. you love an rpg um, i love an rpg i love final fantasy would i be more critical of a game because i like the series maybe that's the thing um, is like yeah when we were talking about final fantasy we did our review of final fantasy 16 and we both came together and gave an eight but like you love final fantasy and i think you enjoy the game we've got friends who are in the game but it doesn't make necessarily if you're good at your job you're not you have to you have to give an impartial opinion that's what reviewing is mm. but that's not what content creators do you might play a game on a stream and be talking about it and give an opinion on your way, mm. but that is not a written review. That is a concise and yeah. considered piece of writing slash video. If you're going off and doing a video, um, it's a considered piece of writing that is a piece of criticism and that should never be paid for. But I think it's very important that it exists in some form. Mm. True. So, yeah, I think overall, Mike, Rather than feeling icky, I mean, yeah, like I said, it, it, his opinion and his feeling is not something that I, anybody should regulate or even say how he feels. And I'm, I'm think, hopeful from his from his yeah. apology that he will also change and learn. Yeah, but I just, I think it's sad that he thinks like that because if he thought, oh, I can work with content creators to help this game, you know, balloon and become even more popular. And yeah, we're going to pay some content creators to play this game at launch. To show every, to show their fans who are also going to be fans of the series, uh, fans of the genre, like 
look at that as a positive thing. Look at that as like, hey, we could spend £20,000 and get these rich people who are in working in advertising even richer and get these adverts posted in various places. Or we can give them to some content creators who are going to put in a lot of work and get our game shown to hundreds of thousands of people who love the genre. I just, I wish that mentality was there rather than what it was and rather than it being ick. And I, but I think that feeling of feeling a bit icky about paying someone to play games, I think that is definitely a view that so many people, but maybe they don't have that view now, but I bet they definitely did in the past. Probably. Probably. I mean, mm. like we said, you know, some of that came up in Gamergate. It's not the root of it, but some of it was was there. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully Mike Rose, it seems like from his apology, he's willing to learn and listen. And I think a lot of other PR um, and, and other people in publishing and influencer relations sort of already are aware of these things. I don't didn't um, see anybody that was in PR that didn't say like, no, work, working with influencers and paying for, or sponsoring a stream for or a video for them to do is anything but like really really useful mm -hmm. exactly mm. so it's just i think it feels like it was a thread that was a misunderstanding it blew up and it has exposed some opinions and yeah. and and a rift i think between two groups of people that hopefully can mutually exist in the future yeah and i think at the bottom line of it the thing is you should never this is for publishers, for um, content creators. You should never pay or be paid for a review. And when you're doing a sponsored stream, label it clearly so people know that it's a sponsored stream. And I mean, I, I keep doing this like final thing and then going and remembering something. I I think she has mentioned it. She's definitely mentioned it on uh, on her Twitter. Uh, I don't think, no, not on YouTube, but she mentioned it on Twitter, Iona. Mm -hmm. uh, friend of the podcast although we haven't had her on a podcast but you've had her on jet your streamers. other one yes jet streamers she was on and what amazing person really really cool she is huge on um youtube with cozy games but even if she's doing a cozy game that's an ad or that's a sponsored stream or a sponsored video very rare that she does it but like when she does a sponsored video she obviously has to put that uh, that stuff in the top uh, in the title and everything like lot fewer views and comments in the chat saying, "Oh, you're only uh, in the comments saying, oh, you're only saying that because you've been paid for.'" And it's like, and it, and people like people don't like sponsored content because they're they are automatically thinking that yeah, this person's saying nice things because only because they're getting paid. So uh, because it's inauthentic. Yeah. But the best way is when it is made to seem authentic. And I mean, I think all, some people will see mar all marketing is yeah. is being manipulative. Ultimately. You're a person, you've got a product, you want to sell it. How do you sell it? Well, you manipulate people into thinking that they want it. That is marketing. That, yeah. That's the bottom line. So if you can use a third party to manipulate someone else, do it, but pay them for it. So there you go. Pay people who put in effort for you and yeah, pay people for their time. Yeah. And also, give, if you don't really want to but you want to just give up free code. Just don't expect people to create content for it. They can, they might do if the game is brilliant and it'll suit their audience, but not necessarily. Maybe that's a better way of doing it. Give out a code and then say, make a video or don't. And then presumably if they do make a video, it's because they like it. And therefore mm. it feels more authentic. Yeah. I feel like everybody's doing that now. 
like generally I get codes all the time mm. for, and it's like before I might have been like oh I got a code for a game I'm gonna go and make a video about it and but now because everybody's doing it and sending it to content creators people are becoming a lot more selective and I think good sponsored stream yeah no good. that's good but I also it's think, about being discerning that's, well, the, the that's thing what is that, we do in journalism it's about being discerning about the right stories to cover mm, that's why we do our jobs that's why we're trained to do our jobs but that like in the past maybe you'd get a couple of codes and you'd choose one of them to make a video now you get 10 codes and an offer for a sponsored stream people are going to pick the sponsored stream i think that'll be the way because everybody's just getting codes yeah any final thoughts on that? No. No. I think I've said enough. <laughs> yeah, there was one bit I was going to bring up, but it's not really. It was going to be, I will bring it up now, just because we've got, let's cover everything and then we don't, oh, don't okay. need to ever speak about this again. So, the people talk about, um, and feel free to not answer this. So they talk about, you know, creators being paid for this, that and the other, mm -hmm. for making these um, videos. What do you think when it comes to journalists like being flown places and giving and given like these cool experiences and that kind of way rather than actually paying them, but giving them, sending them boxes for, you know, that, comp that have various bits of merchandise or they're being flown out somewhere to go and try a game. Do you think that is a problem? Um. It can look like bribery. Um, journalists, if they're professional, firstly, if they're working somewhere, they will have done bribery training um, and been told not to take bribes. Um, you have to register but also, there. if you have any form of integrity as a journalist, th that makes absolutely no difference. Yeah. Like, I've been sent things. It makes no difference whether I cover something or not. If I don't like it, I'll say I don't like it mm. because that is my job. That yeah. is my role. So having any kind of extra like that, it, it makes no difference to me. Have you ever been sent somewhere and like played a game that was terrible and then reported it was terrible? Um, have we been lucky? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna say what game it was? No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, look, some it it feels a bit flashy at times, and I get that. You know, I went to um, I went to FanFest. You know, I was flown to Vegas and taken there, and that was an incredible experience for me. And I would never have done that off my own back. Mm -hmm. Now there was a news reason for me to go because they're announcing stuff for mm -hmm. the next, you know, for Dawn Trail, for the next expansion. So it's it's newsworthy for me to be there, mm. to get it firsthand, yeah. and to be at the press conference to be able to answer uh, ask questions. Um, so that's important. Did it sway me to be positive because I was in Vegas? No. <laughs> it was nice to be there. I had a lovely time. Yeah. It didn't affect my writing in any way. And you hated because... Vegas as well, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hated Vegas. Um, the convention was fun um mostly um have queuing for but it didn't you know i i have my integrity as a journalist so that's not going to sway me in any way once you lose that you've lost it and people don't a lot of people don't understand that um and i think i i'm very careful about that if i get sent like a package of something in the post which doesn't happen very often in all honesty but occasionally it does um that's not something i'm going to shout about on social media i steal them yeah, you steal it. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. 
So I, uh, yeah, I, I think that was a good chat and I think it's good to get it all out there because we wanted to do it when it was like happening, but unfortunately we were sunbathing and swimming in the sea. And then I got angry thinking about it when I should have been on holiday. So yeah, no, I was actually, so yeah, I didn't mention it. I mentioned it, but I posted saying that, you know, content creators should be paid and their content is, you know, you should be paid because it's a type of marketing. It's not the same as a review. Pretty much what I just said here. I made a, a short thread, like three or four tweets and got unfollowed by a fair few people. Um, a couple of people I, well, one person who I know who's an editor of a big magazine in the UK, gaming magazine, who I've met and chatted with and like really, I, I've only spoken with them. I've spoken with them on, on Twitter a few times and obviously met him in person. Thought he was a really great guy. He unfollowed me uh, when I posted that, which I know it's like, oh God, the third world, you know, real first world problem this saying, you know, somebody's unfollowed you, but it's like, oh, sad. I thought we were, I thought we got on. I thought we were friends, but because I dared to stick up for content creators, that person seems that they're, you know, they were upset by and unfollowed. And there was somebody else that wrote for Kotaku and Waypoint, checked out, and uh, somebody was being, they were being quote tweeted by somebody with a comment. And I was like, oh, why can't I see that comment? I've been blocked by them. So it's sad. It's pathetic. But I'm never going to not stand up for content creators when they are in the right. I don't think we should be shitting on them just because they're the modern thing. And this old cane waving thing. I'm, Sadly, unfortunately, like you see, I mean, there's lots of game layoffs right now, but just, you know, fingers touch wood, there's not going to be any for games media, but there doesn't seem to be that much money in it unless they're, you know, doing the videos and on TikTok, they're on TikTok and YouTube with their reviews and their quick looks and various things like that. I think that is the way to monetize websites these days. If you say so, Ben, yeah, why don't you start a website and see how it goes? I mean, I've got one. I've got a twitch.tv slash biggestbenis and youtube.com slash biggestbenis. It's not written content, is it? I don't need to. No, no, that's old. That's old wow. stuff. Old school. How dare. Yeah, you need to, I need to get you practiced in, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from, oh, Francis Urquhart from the original House of Cards. You might say that I couldn't possibly comment. And on that note, and on that note, I couldn't comment. So let's <laughs> let's let's finish there. No, shall no, we? Th thank you for being willing to chat about this because yeah, it obviously affects both of us. You're a video games journalist, and I'm a content creator, and you're also a content creator as well. So you're you're to like, an extent. Yeah, don't don't fall out with too many of your peers no. <laughs> by calling yourself one. Ed, where can we find you for your content creation? <laughs> you can find me at twitch.tv slash ed underscore nights, mm. or you can follow me on Twitter. At Ed underscore nights as well. Excellent. And I am youtube.com slash biggestbenners, twitch.tv slash biggestbenners. If you go to biggestbenners.com, you can probably find all the links on there as well. But I'm biggestbenners1 on Twitter. Um, but yeah, and I'm also doing a playthrough of Spider-Man 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, currently three episodes in, like four hours in. And yeah, it, it's a real good game to do a let's play of because it's just action after action after action. I'm going to do some like side stuff off stream, um, I think. So that I can kind of, you know, do the photo bits and, and all the extras. And I don't think that's quite as exciting. So I'm going to try and stick to the main story. Um, oh, there's my lunch. And uh, yeah, so check that out. And please, if you do leave a comment, if you do leave a comment on any video, whether it's a Let's Play, whether it's this podcast, whether it's whatever, 
then I will make sure I, I always reply. And Ed might even reply every now and again. Will I? Yeah, you will. I'm gonna, oh. Yeah, I'm going to force you to. I'm going to okay. pay you. I'm going to pay you to say nice things in the comments. Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. Um, but also on Sunday as well, I am back streaming Baldur's Gate 3. Um, every Sunday we'll be doing the Be A Dick playthrough where I've got to answer every single um, dialogue choice with the most dickish answer. Otherwise known as the Astarian Approves playthrough. Because yeah. literally every time I'm a dick, he's like, <laughs> nice one. So I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to be doing that, but I also locally record it and then I upload it on um, on the, well it goes live I believe on the Monday, that full playthrough and I without the breaks and all that stuff. So yeah, you get pretty much all the content on YouTube as well, diversifying nice. content. Love and we've that. also got an inbox as well, haven't we? We do. Inbox is up every. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's your plan. <laughs> I think it's Wednesday. No, Tuesday. Tuesday. If you say so. It is. It's every Tuesday. Because Monday is Baldur's Gate 3. Tuesday is Inbox. Wednesday is the Let's Play. Thursday is Nothing. Friday is Podcast. Saturday is this other Let's Play. And then Sunday is my other stream. There you go. <laughs> Write that down, everyone. You'll, you'll get you'll get hungry. Oh, you just, just subscribe and you get alerts. All right. Nice. And also go to swappingjoysticks.com if you want to get the, uh, if you want to follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Also, if anybody got their Spotify wrapped and we're on their Spotify wrapped as a yes, podcast, let us know. Post it. If five people post it, we should we should do like a competition. If five people post it, will that their Spotify wrapped has swapping joysticks on there? If five people do that, which I doubt it, but if five people do it, we will do a. Um, um, we'll do a giveaway for a Swapping Joysticks t-shirt because no one's ever bought one nor have we given one away. <laughs> they don't necessarily exist. Oh, I was going to say. I've made it. Are you it. designing them? No, they're on there. They're on the biggestbenders.com slash merch, I think it is. Oh. So if you want to go to biggestbenders.com slash merch, you could buy one yourself or just post that you are subscribed or something and we'll, we'll do a giveaway at some point. Nice. Yeah, get some freebies. Right. Well, thanks all for listening. Thank you very much. We'll this has been a long podcast. It's been two hours. Has it? <gasps> Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And we're going to record Inbox now as well. We are. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for watching. Until next time. See you then. Bye. Bye.